Hey everyone, uh, Editor Ramon here, and I just want to preface this episode by saying that there's going to be a little bit of weirdness in this one because we recorded it a while ago and we had it in the bank, and we're sort of clearing that out before we start getting into more like current shit. Uh, still a good episode, still worth listening to. I think we still have a great conversation about Batman and Robin, but in the beginning we talk about getting vaccines and me and Daniel have been vaccinated for a fucking long time now. So I just wanted to make people think that we're not getting a vaccine in uh, August where we got it in, I don't know when they were available early on in the year. So anyways, I just wanted to point that out and enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome to this <laughs> new episode of Max Plantayo. It is I, Roman Villalobov, and with me, as always, Daniel Dizari. Some say take him or leave him. And then I fuck it up and I don't do it. <laughs> I, 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 I was trying in my head and I got nothing. <laughs> hey, uh, how's it going? <laughs> I just want to make you feel more more uh, comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I hit, I hit, I hit him with a Swedish. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Swedish plumber. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, for real though. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this next episode of Max Plantayo. It's I, of course, as always, the true outlaw of comics, Ramon Villalobos. <laughs> and with me, as always, some are saying, you know, take him or leave him. Daniel, it is out <laughs> Duh. Hi. <laughs> How you doing, Daniel? I'm 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 doing good. Getting work done. You got that Pfizer shot? I got vaxxed. I did too, bro. I got the Johnson and Johnson. I I got Pfizered up. I got Michelle Pfizered. <laughs> I got I got the Johnson and Johnson, and they say you know why take two shots when you can take one? That's how I what I figured, right? Then apparently they had to withdraw it because they're like, oh, people are dying. Oh, people are dying. I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to die. This is a man's vaccine. Pump that yeah. shit. I said, give me two doses right now. I guarantee you I'll be fine. They didn't. They gave me one. But, you know, now I feel invincible, obviously. How do you feel? I'm I'm feeling good so far. I, like, the nurse said, wait 15 minutes, and if you don't die immediately in the waiting room, you're good. That's what, I did that, but it was in an arena. <laughs> it was like in a big empty space. It, it felt very, uh, it felt very like uh, futuristic, like in a movie, because it was like in a big arena and there's a big clock letting you know like when you're okay to go, and then uh, there's like a standout cutout of Doctor Fauci, <laughs> so that you could take a selfie with him. Mm-hmm. And I just thought like this is so bizarre. Like why done, is there a doctor? You should have done the selfie. I should have done the one where, like, I'm pretending to jack him off. (laughs) (laughs) Who was it? Who was it? Um, 
the the congresswoman that was that had the Trump cut off and she was like feeling up his crotch? I don't remember. Was that was that Marjorie Taylor Greene? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean that's something she would do. <laughs> She's just a freak. But straight up yeah. But not nah, um yeah, this week we have on, I don't want to make him wait any longer, you know, we have we have on a very special guest, a guest, you know, first true returning guest since we don't know if the Zack Snyder cut will ever come out. Um, the first true returning guest, uh, a, a Russian comics oligarch he's been made into off of the sales of the first issue, presumably of the book. It's coming out this week, really. So, uh... You know, we wanted to have him back on to talk about, you know, how much his life has changed since he's become a Russian oligarch. Since uh, we since we brought him to the limelight with our uh, debut episode. I don't want to say like, oh, we made Big Gleb. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I mean, I'll say I, I literally gave him the nickname Big Gleb. And I did notice after I did that, his career just like fucking skyrocketed to the moon. So, yeah, I, a, you know, weird coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> it is a weird coincidence. We're we're taking the credit. We don't. I'm not taking the credit. I believe that Gleb was always bound to be a superstar. Right? Again, was I the first to discover that star? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. Jury's out. Jury's out. <laughs> was Daniel definitely not? Definitely de- not. Was... I I just met Gleb. <laughs> but but he was on our podcast before any other podcast, and he you know. I want you to. Ch- I want him to check in every time he becomes a next level of superstar in this business. Once he gets the Batman book, that's just Batman. Once he upgrades from Robin, I mean, once he's running DC Comics, you know, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we got, of course, on the episode, Big Gleb. Welcome to the show, Gleb. Welcome back to the show, Big Gleb. Hey guys, <clears throat> how you doing, bro? I'm fine. Fine. J- just finished the second issue of Robin, and I'm kind of lazy today. That's nice. Uh. So yeah, man, uh, that's pretty exciting that you have that the first issue is coming out. I think when you came on last time, we knew that you were going to do Robin, like you hadn't started it yet. Yeah, yeah. But that's specifically why we did All Star Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. And when I reached out to see if you wanted to come back on, because I'm like, you know, Big Gleb, we had you on the show. Our podcast was like not really buzzing. Nobody knew what the fuck we were. We didn't know how to record the episodes. Me and Daniel did not know each other at all. Our chemistry was completely out of whack. It was all fucked. My audio was was worse than it is right now. Yeah, my audio was way worse than it is right now. So it's kind of an unlistenable episode. But, I mean, if you want to go back and listen to it, go ahead. <laughs> the best audio is Gleb's voice, really. Yeah, he Gleb actually sounds the best. here <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. But, yeah, so we figured, you know, come back on, talk about... The book, now that you can actually talk about it, talk. we'll talk more about the character, because he wasn't even in the last book that we read with you. And uh, yeah, just like, you know, talk to the people, because people are loving Big Gleb. They want to know more about you, but you don't want to talk to anybody else but us, because we're cool and everybody else sucks. Today we are joined by Big Gleb, friend of the show. Uh, what's up, though, dude? It's all good. I'm, uh, I'm finishing the sixth issue of Robin, so yeah. Yeah, that's right. People are... are holding their breath at every gleb tweet like you're joking but i feel like gleb did have people extremely nervous for a little while (laughs) (laughs) no no i'm not well i'm not saying like in anxiety i'm saying gleb has an amount of people who are just every single tweet 
absolutely <laughs> enthralls them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Is that how you feel? Club, can I ask you a question? How do you come up with such great tweets? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I don't mean to put you in an awkward position. Just Daniel's really blowing you up. You no, know? So I'm not. I'm just, like, I, like I'm, I'm just saying, like Gleb, Gleb will like tweet a really nice drawing of Robin, and that'll be the whole tweet. And his replies are just random Robin fans asking him to marry him. <laughs> Is that happening? Yes. Yeah. That, that happened, like actually. marriage proposal via replies. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I do love that you have an army of like Robin. It was the Damien stands, right? Like they've yeah, kind yeah. of like before they even saw any of the art inside the book. They were just like, "Well, we love Gleb because of the sexy gloves that you drew on him in the like <laughs> not his costume now, but before." Yeah, any yeah. Leak? Like the, the, the whole power of design. I, I, <laughs> I know it's 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 kind of cool that uh, like I have this whole fan base right now, even before the first issue came out. It's very unusual for me. I mean, it's kind of unusual in general. Like, I don't think that's yeah. a common thing. Um, but I mean, you hit it. You hit on it when you gave him those lace gloves. Those were very sexy. The people saw it. They reacted. Yeah, to that, it very... that's probably was the, the best decision of my life. <laughs> like the turning point. But yeah, so I want to talk about an actual good Damien design. Uh, so we're gonna. <laughs> So this week we're going to talk about another another artist who joined Twitter recently that just blew up, skyrocketed. Um, some say I discovered him too. Like mm. we're mutual <laughs> follows. Not a lot of people follow him, or a lot of people follow him. He doesn't follow a lot of people, you know. And I happen to be one of the people he does follow. Does he follow you, Daniel? Uh, still no. Yeah. Right. It's it's fine. I don't I don't exist in that sense. <laughs> we're talking about Frank Quitely, of course. One of the god tier artists, my literal favorite artist. Uh, but yeah, I talked to Glove about what he wanted to do, and he said, "Let's just do Batman and Robin." Uh, I was saying, "Let's do the first appearance of Damien," because I feel like that's an exciting issue too. But um, this is this is a comic. I remember when it came out, I was fucking buzzing. I was hyped because it was it just felt so new, and I felt like comics for so long just felt super super just stale. And I feel like that's only gotten worse, but there was this brief moment in time <laughs> where these these comics were coming out and every issue had that quietly cover, no background, just like a pure color and just like Batman and Robin looking sick as fuck. And uh, like leading into that, there was like, you know, the RAP, there's all the continuity mess around it. But this felt like uh, like a opening shot, like it felt like the promise of like a new thing, which, you know, it was for a l very little while. And uh, I was excited when Gleb said we should just do this one because I, I really wanted to. Daniel, do you like, do you remember what it was like when the book came out? This is, I, I wanted to state, this is our first time talking about quietly, a quietly book. And yes, we're talking about Grant Morrison as well. But we oh, had yeah. talked about Justice League uh, Secret Files, was it? No. Um, Ultramarine Corps. Ultramarine Corps. But I, I, it, was just, it was JLA classified. JLA classified. That's 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 the word I was looking for. But talking about quietly is is uh, next level for me. Like it, I know I I don't have the follower uh, or uh, the follow from Frank Quietly to be like uh, the respect of him, it. the admiration. Yeah. No, Did you hear what I, he said about me on that podcast? I I 
I turned it off like five <laughs> seconds in because I was just so mad at it. I was I was so angry that I <laughs> I, I threw my phone at the wall. I mean, he was he said some nice things. I'll just insert the clip here. You know, they they grow up reading your work, and that's that's really nice. I know R- Ramon's stuff, and um, I can see that there's there's a there's, there's a connection there. But he's very much his own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, his line is slightly more. It, it tends to behaviour. It tends to be slightly more organic looking. He, you know, it's got a it's got a slightly different energy. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, but um, it, it, it's a it's a really it's a really nice thing, you know. Like when God, I, wow. the clip is running now. I'm pissed because <laughs> it's all just compliments no, for it's Ramon done. and it's his ended. style. And yeah, he how... said that I have a, a slightly heavier line, but it's more almost organic than his. I don't know if that's and true. a description of like his legacy is just a, a a link in a chain. To feel that you're a link in a chain. Yeah, he's a link in a chain. I'm the I could have been baby. on that chain as well. I don't know if, and... I don't know if you could have. <laughs> I, I see. Actually, the funny thing is, seeing like Quietly's work, I'm astounded at how well he does the high contrast stuff. Like how well he goes into the blacks in this in this issue. Yeah, yeah. It's especially interesting because he's using only pencils here, right? Yeah. Like yeah, this there's is, no yeah, inks. Uh, this is the weird uh, processed pencils technique that have, he started have you ever later. seen original art from this i haven't um, no i don't think so it looks sweet I'll, uh, I'll maybe i'll post them on the patreon and I'll, I'll send it to you guys privately but when he does go into like spotted blacks it is just like x's like mm-hmm. he does like a light render to nothing and then just x's to where he knows that's supposed to be um it looks cool he, he had been doing that for a while but you know, after he did All-Star Superman, where there's almost no black in it, mm-hmm. it's all just like one solid pencil line. He wanted to do something looser, more organic. I think he thought it was going to take him uh, less time. Did not, I don't believe. <laughs> um, and uh, But yeah, more blacks, more, a little bit more poppy. I think that was the idea. Something that didn't feel so like sort of stiff that he could sort of... Uh, spread his spread his wings out a and bit more was. on this one. I, yeah, I like... mean, it is that. This was this was around the time where this was the first basically Grant Morrison Frank Quitely book that I was going to be buying in real time. I I picked up New X Men, um, in trades. I picked up um All Star Superman in trades, and I was I was fully immersed in the Quitely language of like narrative storytelling. I I had eaten it all up, and I was basically primed for this book I, I i didn't care about the batman rest in peace stuff like battle <laughs> for the cowl whatever oh, man. That battle for the cowl was. battle for the cowl let me down so hard because i was like uh tony daniels next i was like you saw what he did in r.i.p he killed it so next he's gonna write and draw it it's over like he's he's next and then it came out and i was like no never mind <laughs> <laughs> he might not be next after all. I mean, shout out to shout out to Tony Daniel, uh, yeah. the Noct the Noctura Nocturna book, or it looks pretty sweet, I think. And his issue seven hundred seven hundred one of Batman, I really love those. The ones that he did with Morrison on that, I felt like I felt like those are two like very important issues that Morrison wrote, and they get very they get overlooked very often in like the wider the he calls it his bat they call it their Batman mega story 
and uh, like those two issues specifically are so like off to the side that um, I think that it often gets overlooked in that context. But those are two great issues that Tony Daniel drew. But it's not about Tony Daniel; it's about yeah. Batman and Robin. Yeah, as soon as that, as soon as I saw that cover, like I, uh, in terms of like Robin camps, I always, I always prefer Dick Grayson because I'm boring like that. Um, but as soon as I saw the the announcement, all the hubbub about this book, how the Batman design was classic enough, but just like. Just different, like at the wrist, some somehow made that way more interesting. It, it, like Batman was smiling, and Robin was uh, grimacing. Like it, it, it immediately called to me. I I was ready, and this issue did not disappoint. Gleb, what was? When did you first read this? Uh, I think it was uh, after. New 52, because uh, I wasn't reading DC before New 52, because they, they just, they haven't pu- published it in Russia, and like, sure. it, it was all Marvel, and like, I, I read something, but I, I haven't read Batman Robin, like, when it came out, but I think it was, like, 2011 or 2012, when I first read it, and yeah, yeah, it, it was very different, like, it was as fresh as uh, Morrison Quietly's X Men, I think. No, I mean, like, the way that Morrison approached this and New X Men is very similar, I feel like. Uh, like, they had sort of, they had sort of approached it as, like, a, they wanted to, they wanted to take something that had been around for so long and, like, compress the entire history of it into one thing and make it, like, new, bold, fresh, and, like, modern. Mm-hmm. Whereas so many people were concerned about the legacy that they get sort of over their skis, worried about like being respectful. And I feel like these, these comics, the attitude of Batman and Robin, new X-Men are, they're not really, they're not really overly worried about respect in those. Yeah. I mean, it's more about just like, I think it's not like, it's think... it's not, it's respectful, but it's not, sorry. It's respectful, <laughs> but it's not like, it's respectful, but it's not like, overly like oh my god like I, it's not overly reverent i guess i would say yeah yeah i think uh modern is the key word here because uh especially visually because these designs like they're timeless and you still know the you still can feel the era when it was came out but uh like it still looks fresh today I think it's yeah. because Quietly maybe like draws all of his cars like straight from the imagination. Yeah, probably. And I, I think like uh, his art looks like it's it's a lot of details there, and like there's a lot of details there. But uh, the, the designs itself is uh, they're very simple and like yeah. sl- simple and sleek and like you they're just cool. Like n- no bullshit, like no, not too busy. Just straight up things. Yeah, they're a lot more streamlined. It reminds me of like the uh, the Bruce Tim designs for like the Batman cartoon. Like those yeah. are classic. They're iconic, and they're not like doing too much. And I feel like you know, listen, some artists like me, <laughs> we we get a little carried away with zippers, pouches, seams. You know, all this extra bullshit. 
And I've always liked that Quietly doesn't do that. It's just like, you know, take the iconic colors, color blocking, break it up, make it feel sort of balanced. And then that's what that's what matters more than like all the little extra details. Like you said, it's drawn very detailed, but it's not it's not overly complicated design. So it's not like he's spending extra time drawing stupid fucking uh, like knee pads and, you know, <laughs> I was going to say shoelaces, but he does do that. <laughs> shoelaces are fun to draw, actually. Like, I, I love oh, drawing shoelaces. Trust me, I know, Gleb. <laughs> yeah, no, I, when this book came out, I didn't even buy it in issues either, Daniel, speaking to what you mentioned a little bit ago. I just was, like, getting it in the hardcovers. Like, when the first hardcover, the trades would come out, I would buy those. Because... Especially back then, every single comic I got, I would be it would be a nightmare of like trying to keep it not, uh, like not fuck up, just not torn, <laughs> not torn to pieces. I, I was in a back then. I was always broke, and I knew if I was gonna get that comic, I wanted it to last, and it would last longer on a bookshelf than just in my backpack. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would, yeah, for sure. Now after that, I would just double up anything quietly. I double, triple quadruple up but back that back then i was just like i'll get a trade but i would read it you know i would find ways to read it (laughs) as it was coming out i would i would borrow it from friends yeah i i I do regret like not not really regret but it's it it's hard and it's painful when you have this book on a pull list and you get three pristine perfect quietly issues and then you have to like deal with other artists. Don't do that. The <laughs> Philip Tan issues in this are fucking sick. I used to not <laughs> I used to not be in love with them. The Philip Tan ones are fire. I, I really like it. I I'm gonna I'm gonna need to have that experience maybe at some point. <laughs> but <sighs> Yeah. I, I think I th- I think it just look weird after quietly, like it's... I mean yeah. So, <laughs> so anything different. following quietly is going to be awkward. So, like so, so much of so much of this book was a unique experience from from everything that's sort of expected or understood as the Batman aesthetic. And look at hold on. Look at a uh, look mm-hmm. at New X Men. Quietly took took a break and they brought in EVS. And even though EVS is a legendary comic artist who whose art. It's so beautiful and that everybody loves. It's not overly grotesque and like distorted and lanky and ugly and hateful. It's, you know, it's not those things. Even though like he is making this beautiful art in there, it's still not quietly. So you're still like, what the fuck? I, I, if you're, if you're making me pick between like Philip Tan and EVS, like, yes, <laughs> I will, I will take the, the Philip Tan pages. Okay, fine. All right. No, you know, no, but. <laughs> But sorry, what were you saying before I cut you off about EVS? No, uh, I wasn't. I wasn't just saying shit about EVS. Um, no, you were saying some, something else, and I cut you off. Yeah, no. What EVS. I was saying was that, like, I feel like as soon as it became Grant Morrison and any other artist, it just started to feel like, uh, like any other Batman run. There were some. There were some good artists in that. In those. Yeah, the other the other artist that I that I genuinely enjoyed is canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but those pages were think... nice. The like there there was a nice cartoony aspect to those pages of that person. 
There's other ones. The Fraser Irving shit was sick. Oh yes, absolutely. Wait, if we're gonna like talk for a second about Fraser Irving, that guy killed it. Like that is absolutely <laughs> my vibe. I think if they placed Fraser Irving right after Quietly, it would be like a little bit more smooth transition to like Philip Tan and the others. There was what's his what's his I can't remember the guy's name. Is the guy? Oh, oh fuck. Just all the little lines. It's like very rendered. All the oh, little man. lines. There's the dude who did like the third arc, I think. The one with the bout. No, the one with the guy with the black mask. It's like the Joker underneath. I'm, I can't uh, believe yeah. I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, I can't remember the name as well. Clark something. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry. Shout out to his family. Shout out to his family. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My bad. I, I I like that guy's art a lot, but I'm blinking on his name. It's not uncommon here, unless we're talking about that uh, that person specifically. I'm gonna forget the name. Yeah, it but, happens. Um, it happens. But I I was I was basically um so hyped, like I would have loved an all star Superman type situation with Batman and Robin, where it wasn't dependent on a deadline, where it wasn't so focused on uh on uh, or re- reliant on on everybody else's bat comics where this could have just been given 12 issues to uh flourish Andy Clark Andy Clark mm-hmm. I still can't I still can't put oh. uh an image to the to to the I, I think he, he he looks like like I don't know the modern uh, Salvador Larocco if he was good. <laughs> I love Andy Clark. Um, I'm sorry that you're too low info to know about him, Dan. Oh, I remember him now. I remember him now. He's he like the cool... late late era Batman and Robin to me. I mean that it's not a very long book. Yeah, it it got <laughs> There's it, it three got short changed. trades. Like Bat Batman was always gonna be brought back. This was always right. going to be a limited thing. Um It wasn't. It wasn't always gonna be a limited thing. What do you mean? Um when when they first started this, uh Morrison said that they would have loved to have wrote this book for like years and years. Mm-hmm. But the idea was that they would have two Batmans. Hmm. Um That was like the Batman Ink? Yeah. But I think I think they just realized, oh, we can also just do a Nightwing book, and it doesn't really matter, you know. But I there's a there's some interviews where that I read with Morrison where they were talking about just like, you know, uh, it was kind of a struggle to work on this book creatively that they were being pulled in different directions, and uh, so there was language used along. I don't have it with me because I forgot to pull it up, but it was like, uh, it's like you're working at like McDonald's basically <laughs> like everybody knows what the, what the food they want is. So you can't stray too far from it. But that was the, that was like the literal metaphor that they had used in that was that it was kind of a, it was kind of a drag. And I think the promise of the book is a lot more, uh, it, I think he, I think they approached it thinking that they were going to have longer on it than they got. Yes. And I, um, I, I can't help but see in, these... in my, <laughs> yeah. What I meant to say but... is I can't help but see the these with sort of that melan- melancholy or melancholy. Melancholy. Yeah, I, 
I, I'm going to talk a little bit about that in the wrap up because that's part of my that's part of my issue wrap up that we'll do at the end. But um, yeah, I mean, just like this was sort of like, OK, we're going to have something new and exciting for you, even though this shit is familiar, like the same way, like, you know, you saw Batman and Robin, uh, you saw the new X-Men like walking towards you on that cover, like with them being backlit and you just see like the, the neon hits over like this all black leather costumes. Like it felt like, Oh shit, I'm in for something. The way that Robin and Batman are standing on that cover, just all primary colors and very specific sort of like, you know, Batman is kind of looking over Robin kind of like, uh, kind of like fatherly. And Robin just looks like he's, ready to beat someone's ass like you know punching his knuckles and like you know wide stance just ready to fucking leap into shit uh you know it, it all like you know primary colors just big bold i loved uh the logo the chip kid logo also on it so so fucking tight that like yeah it it really was it felt like the beginning of like a new era for batman and robin um but uh yeah like before we get into it, I did want to say that my cover for this, the the hardcover that I got when it came out, it's signed by Quietly. I don't think I ever talked about on here when I met him the first time. Obviously, now we're great friends, we're mutual Twitter <laughs> followers. It's no big deal. But when I when I when I got this signed, it was 2010, 2011, something like that, maybe 2012, where I went to San Francisco. Because that's when uh, WonderCon, it was the last year of WonderCon that they did in the Bay Area. Uh, they had since moved it to Anaheim. But that was always one of like the major comic conventions back in those days. And they would bring in like at least one or two really big guests. Um, and so I would always try to go out there. Like I think I went three years. And that year I was like really excited because I quietly was going to be there. And he, at that point, I think he had just become like my favorite artist and I had just, I'd bounced around to different styles and I eventually landed on quietly as like, oh, I love the way this guy draws. It feels natural. It feels the way I should like, I don't know about you guys, but when, when you draw, I mean like Gleb, you're very inspired by like, you know, Cliffhanger, Humberto Ramos, like Joe Mad, like that era of dudes, Mm -hmm. like you didn't. That feels what's natural to you, though, right? Like, you don't have to yeah, open uh, up... absolutely, yeah. You don't have to open that up every single time to, like, get a reference of how they would draw something. No, That's uh, just, like... Uh, I'm not even looking at that, like... Right. And it's the same with me and this... The, the, my style is, like... And it's so it's so influenced by him, but it's the way, like, if I drew in high school and you just, like, took that and elevated it to the way I draw now, that's how I draw. And, like, in between that time that I had like met quietly and like, you know, I, I tried to draw like him and high school, I had went through this whole sort of wave of like trying to draw like Miller, Cliff Chang, Jim Lee, Art Adams, you know, like looking at different artists that I really loved. And when I found quiet, when I tried to draw like quietly, just sort of on a lark, I was like, wait a minute, this is how I should have been drawing this whole time. Like, I don't want to fill in blacks. So I don't want to, do all the shit. I want to actually like draw the things that I think like look cool on this, which is like everything. So, so I just started doing that and I took the train out to San Francisco and I was staying with my buddy. Cause I saw that he was going to be at a comic shop called isotope comics. And, um, they would always have big parties for like the guest of honor at that show that year. It was quietly. 
So I was going to stay at my friend's place, crash on his floor, and we were both going to go to that party that night. Uh, it, was like a, it was like a signing slash party. It was actually like a real surreal experience because we go there after the con and they before they bring out quietly to like, you know, say, oh, hey, here's they, uh, they were serving like drinks and they had a freak show where like this dude was like stapling dollar bills into him. And uh, like they had like a, a little person that was like a, a sword swallower and like, you know, some chick who was a. Uh, I don't think you're allowed to call them that anymore. What I don't know what to, I don't know what I'm supposed to call them. What am I supposed to call them? I I don't know. I I've just have I've only heard sword swallower negatively. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what he was doing. Okay. They were like stapling dollar bills to themselves. It was like it was wild. And then uh after that like they were like okay, there's like a big line upstairs that you know, you waited and you quietly is going to sign something. So I had this fucking copy of I had this copy of All-Star Batman and Robin and, like, an issue of Flinch that he drew a story in that I really liked. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to hit him with, like, the main thing that he's doing right now and then, like, a classic, right? Yeah, you you came in with a deep cut. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to really show out. I think I talked about on the FIFA one about how, like, I embarrassed myself in front of uh, Jaime Hernandez, right? A highlight so of I the was episode. Like, <laughs> did you feel that way? No, no, I, I was just saying, like, when you were telling the story, that was, uh, uh tr- everyone was vibing to that pain, to, to that <laughs> awkwardness. So I'm hyped, and you go upstairs, and there's, like, a long line, and at the very end of it is my guy David Brothers. Shout out, shout out David, you know, check out his podcast. Um, can't remember the name of it right now. Something good. <laughs> it's about, like, m- manga, It's right? a, Yeah, it's a manga, like, read-along thing. Uh, completely different than what we're doing. but no but so he's up there and i meet him for the first time and we talk about like rap music and he's looking over these portfolios that uh like he's in charge of of making art sales for quietly like he has these like three portfolios of like original art and i'm looking through all of them like fucking staring at him thinking like fuck i got like 300 dollars in my bank account (laughs) do i run downstairs and like cash out 200 to fucking buy one of these pages because they were like cheap some of these fucking pages like, should I just fucking go downstairs and buy, like, uh, a random, like, authority page with nothing on it? <laughs> I was like, this might be the move, right? So, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get this sign. Like, don't be stupid, you know? Who knows when I'm gonna get paid again? Or, you know, like, I don't know. So, I go to the, uh, finally go, it's my turn. And quietly is going through this line slowly, because it's not like a, a signing signing. It's like everybody's getting like 15 minutes talking with him. And then when they're done, they like go off and he's just like having drinks and like chilling, listening to music and stuff. So it's my turn. And I'm like very excited to get him to sign this. And I tell him, you know, I'm an artist actually. And I'm kind of starting to kind of draw like him. I'm kind of like, you know, aping his style a bit, you know, like I'm like, I'm trying to draw like a dollar store version of you, not like a good, <laughs> not like a, I'm not doing a good version. You, you're but I'm coming doing in like, to to meet him to tell him that you're his replacement. No, I'm telling him that like that, I'm. That's when quietly thought he's his next one in the chain. <laughs> he said, "Oh, you're the next. Yeah, you're the next link. Hell yeah!" It was like the Avatar. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? What happened? He... Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, it's all good. So I mean, he's such a humble, cool dude that uh, I give. He's like, "Oh, can I? Can I get your name?" 
And I was like, oh, um, well, you know, yeah, sure. So I give him uh, like my, my business card because I had some on me to give to like, you know. Very slick. To give to people at the show. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And like at the time, my business card has like uh, like a crazed clown on it. Of course. <laughs> and so he turns it around. It's like it was a cartoon version of Dick Cheney dressed like uh, John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> Very, very inside joke for me and my my serial killer clown friends. You know, um, he writes on the back of it, "Frank Quietly Ripoff," <laughs> <laughs> and and I and I start laughing because I see you know he he like kind of shows it to me or something, and I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome. And he goes, oh no no no, it's just I get so many cards, I don't want to forget who you are by the time I get home. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's fine, it's fine. And, you know, like I'm, that was I'm a not shorthand offended. for you. Rip I off. felt like, yeah, I felt like that label has been applicable. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, the, from the second he wrote it till now, it's no, you know, I take it as a great sign of honor. Like, I always felt this way, though, because, you know, going back to, like, getting compared to artists, um, I don't know about you guys, but when people compare me to artists, I'm never mad that they compare me to, like, Quietly or Mobius or Jeff Darrow or, like these other artists that I really love. You know what I mean? Like if you're comparing me to like John Byrne <laughs> at Piscor, <laughs> like artists that I, uh, Ethan Van Skyver, if you're comparing me to those artists, I'm thinking maybe I'm doing something wrong. Right. But you're comparing me to like guys whose art I really love and appreciate. Like why? I don't know why people always say that to me. Like, I'm really sorry, but you know, I really love your work. Cause it reminds me of these people. I'm like, that's great. I I think I think with with your particular case you you are like yes that was the point <laughs> like, <laughs> like not completely intentional obviously everyone has like influences but in in your case uh I the the quietly influence is so striking that it would seem silly that somebody would be like I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, <laughs> you know, like, like it's, it, it, it seems like there's a, there's a phrase. Uh, it's, it's, inc it's incredibly obvious. Like, um, well, I think it's funny though. Cause there are young artists that I know that draw like other artists, like, uh, like a young artist that'll draw like, you know, James I, Heron or Chris Somni or whatever. I think it's like, it's the only way to learn how to draw like well, because yeah, there's no way you won't be copying anything, but because that's how you learn. And uh, I, I used to be, I used to get mad when people like uh, were saying uh, like my my art, my art look like Capullo or Chow, but now I'm fine with that. And like a, a, a couple of weeks ago, Scott Snyder wrote me, and he he said like, uh, "Whoa, I, whoa!" I, I read. Hey, what's the, this name uh, dropping? What? What? <laughs> no, no. I, I I'm just saying he he's working with Capullo like this year, and he said like uh, I I wrote uh I I read the first issue of Robin, and like I just want to say like your 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 art is very uh like very fresh but still classic, and I was like, yeah. "Whoa, whoa." That actually that happened to me when I met uh, Grant Morrison too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Stanley when uh, he saw have, my work. I would say, Daniel, do you have any experience meeting like a comic, like you know, legend that says something very positive about you? Or um, I one time 
I <laughs> Uh, nothing. I got sorry. <laughs> Not many comics legends drop by Puerto Rico, and I come on. If they do, I don't. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. They're hanging out in Russia or uh, Belarus all the, all day. I I what's what's the closest? No, nothing. Like I I like I got artists wait, 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 who know wait. me, and that's it. Uh, how about that one time when Rob Liefeld said you are great on? He re- Rob Liefeld or Liefeld he retweeted the Holy West campaign and he was like neat. That's sick. Yeah. Why didn't you say that? How come Gleb has to pull out? <laughs> Gleb remembered before I did. I literally, I legitimately forgot. Wow. Yeah, I, I can't believe that you claim to be Rob pilled. <laughs> you don't even remember when this man put put said that you're next. He was treating you like actually, I was treating Tony Daniel. Actually, I don't know. I don't know where uh, y'all got this post, but somebody posted um, that he was talking about how uh, there wasn't uh, there wasn't any like elaborate styles anymore. Or he was talking about how uh, styles have kind of become simplified, and he was kind of looking for uh, a more like Darrow style or Mobius style comics artist and. I feel like I kind of fit that bill a little bit. I'm slow as fuck, and I I'm gonna take forever. You think, wait, on this who do you say you think you draw like? Huh? Who do you think you draw like? <laughs> I I I I feel like I can't quantify my style whenever I'm talking about these things. Wait, are you just saying because they're stiff, or because something else about it? Um, the the amount of lines or or, or details <laughs> that I'm throwing on on my pages is definitely outside of uh, uh what's normally expected of comics right now i mean all right i <laughs> no 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 i i agree actually like i like it when we have a guest who can like sort of like uh take my side once at least <laughs> So thanks, Gleb. <laughs> Listen, Gleb is your big Gleb is your biggest fan, bro. Yeah, that's true. Big Gleb, that's true. Big Gleb has your fucking back. I'm I'm doing this for jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thank you, Gleb. Uh, but I don't know. I I'm not like I'm letting y'all talk. Y'all are talking with your big DC comic dicks or whatever. I'm I'm a humble little farmer boy who draws on occasion and has comics and stuff. You're just letting that. You're just letting I, that I, sort of like faux, like that faux modesty. You're letting that shit define you, bro. No, I, I completely, no, I completely don't. I'm just saying is. I don't have me Scott Gleb, Snyder in my me, DMs. Me and Gleb don't act like that though. That's why these people reach out to us and tell us how much they love us. What I don't act like anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Zen I'm, monk. I have no personality. No, I'm a Zen monk. I have no ego. <laughs> no, you, you can't be a Zen monk no, and an outlaw. You are ego. You are ego driven. <laughs> I am ego driven. I am. You are I, ego driven, but that's why you have to mask it with the fake humility. My shit. ego died years ago. No, your ego is out of control. Yeah, that's, that's that's why. You know how I know that you have a big ego? Because just like Artyom, you're a follower counter. I'm not a follower counter. I don't. <laughs> you are a follower that. counter. Every time you get twenty new followers, you make a post. Hey everyone! Just in case you don't know who I am, it's me, Daniel. <laughs> You're a follower counter, just like Artyom. Well, Art like Artyom was. He got banned on Twitter. Rest in shout peace. out to his shout out to his family. Shout out to his family. <laughs> shout out to his manager, Abuncio Abuncio Bulshedo. How do you how do we pronounce that? Do you know, Club? I think it's Abuncio Bulchetti. 
I don't. I, I refuse to use that His, name. Ar- Artyom's handler is somehow just as volatile as Artyom. Like, <laughs> who'd have thought that Artyom could find somebody as equally volatile as he is to to manage him in his wake? Isn't that crazy? It's like what he's, a weird he's very sad that Artyom lost his account and and is is doing everything in his power to like rep him and yeah. is also like screaming rope in every post. <laughs> well, listen. As as unfortunate as that Artyom's gone, the one positive thing is that you ha- now have surpassed him in followers. Finally, and I that, actually, that probably kills him. I I don't know. I I think I think he already has more followers than me again. But I don't care. <laughs> I don't count that shit. That's just no. Sad. You do because you just said it. You just checked it. I literally I only have I only have the Batman and Robin comic in front of me. I'm like again. Okay, I'm well, at peace. I am completely without distractions. I just okay, don't well, have listen, Scott Snyder or Frank Wiley in my you, DMs. And I'm, but the fact that you're even sad about it, it just <laughs> tells me everything I need to know. Because <laughs> yeah. like me and Gleb, we don't care about that. We we get, I told you, on the reg, Frank Miller shouting me out, you know, showing me love. Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly, legends of the game, people that mm-hmm. are legit. So like, I don't, I'm not. You know, shout out, shout out to... It's, it's no biggie. It's no biggie at all. <laughs> it's no biggie for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, listen, when when you got... You're you only know, mentioning Dragata, it factually. It's not in got, any... When you got Nick Dragata as your boy, like, I have conversation... You know, we talk on the reg. He's one of the greatest comic artists in the game. I'm talking the big gleb on the reg. He's one of the hottest young stars in the game. Oh, that's like, who I should be it's... using as an example of, like, an all-star that likes my work. <laughs> gleb. There yeah, he is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, we don't know what the sales for Robin are, but they're looking pretty good. Yeah. Probably. He's going to be swimming in Rob Leefield money. I mean, come on. But the point is, the fact that you're counting his pockets now, talking about how much money he has, shows how big of an (laughs) ego you have and that you let it define you. Yeah. I would never do that. You're completely right. Egoless. Yeah. As soon as we're done recording, I'm going to whip myself. You have to transcend to a higher plane. Yeah, you know what I did, like personally, what, Beach what? Boys Pet Sounds. Mm. I'm telling you, you know, that's the uh, that's the album. You listen to that, your ego goes away. But anyways, we should at some point start talking about Batman and Robin. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh oh, but yeah, no. Quietly signed this. He said he loved me. He said I'm next. He said you're the link in the chain. Uh, and didn't say anything about Daniel. He said he didn't say he didn't mention Daniel's name. No. And in fact, he mentioned that he doesn't like people that have big egos. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. and that's you know, just he he wrote he wrote uh, Frank Whiteley ripoff on the card, and and right under it he said no Puerto Ricans. <laughs> One more thing I want to address is that in the FIFA episode, some people had said that in fact I was humble bragging when I told the story about meeting uh, Jaime Hernandez. I was not humble bragging because I have no ego. Mm. So I was not. No, I wasn't. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to point that out before we get into the thing. I was also not humble bragging when I mentioned that you know Frank Miller showed me love, that Graham Morrison showed me love, that Frank Quietly showed me love. You know that's not what I'm about. I'm not an but, ego guy. Neither that is. That just sounds so humble. The, yeah, right. Gleb, when you st- when you casually name dropped Scott Snyder, that's not an ego thing. No, no. You know? Uh, we know that. We yeah. know that Scott. Like why? This just happened. Like. I, it, it, just another day in my life. Exactly. Exa- exactly. So I'm in Memphis. 
I'm hanging out. I'm waiting for to go back to my room so I can get some subway, you know, take a nap. It's after a long day of Memphis Comics Expo, one of the best comic conventions in America. Scott Snyder's waiting for me. I say, hi, you probably don't know who I am. My name's Ramon Villalobos. He said, I love your work. He said, you're fantastic. And I said, oh my God, thank you so much. He said, now how do I use this Uber app? And I was like, oh, I got you. So I, I hit him up with the Uber. I let him know how to, to use it. He was on his way. He said, we talk again. We never did. <laughs> I don't, but I, it meant a lot, you know, because it's again, it's just a guy like Scott Snyder showing you love, acknowledging who you are. He knows Gleb. He loves Gleb's work. I don't know if he knows Daniel's work like that. <laughs> I think maybe he does. And he just follows me on, going it on all the so long. Does he? Maybe. I don't know. Shout out to hey, Gleb. Can we give a quick shout out to Nocturna? That book looks amazing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is it the first uh, Tony Daniels uh, creator on work? Yeah, or oh no, I think he he did something. Wait, wait, Nocturne is Scott Snyder or Tony Daniel? It's both together. It's a oh. good vibe. I I think the book looks interesting. Um... <laughs> like clubs. Oh, <laughs> it, it's uh... well. <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> is it Image? Is it coming out of Image? Yeah, it's tight. But anyways, let's go to Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. Right, we were reading that, that book. Did we even open the first page? Or were we just talking about the cover? We were this on whole the time? cover. We we're talking about that's this was all cover discussion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we open up the first one. Yeah, it starts with got, a boom. Starts with a boom, literally. Yeah. We got the two big boom explosions written out. Uh shout out to the letter. They really <laughs> got their shit off on that one. This is this is really like Putting putting money into the lettering in a way that matters. Oh my god, you know who lettered this book? Who? Patrick Brousseau. Ooh. He did and all the all bit... the boom sound effects? No, he didn't do that. A real artist did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, quietly drew that. But he did all the parts where they type out the Well, not not type out, like more copying and pasting. Yeah, more copying and pasting. He I guess he didn't have to type it all out. I was. I don't feel any remorse going at Pat Brousseau. That motherfucker blocked me. He's yeah. He's not gonna. He's not gonna hear this. It's fine. I didn't even say anything to his ass. He blocked me. I can't. That's I can't tell that that Pat uh, lettered it because his name isn't on the cover. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it just says Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely, Philip Tan on my cover. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Shout out to his family. Shout out to his family. So this first panel, the two booms, we like this yeah. is an immediate taste of what the the book is going to be like. I don't I don't know if if quietly I can't remember quietly doing sound effects like this on X Men or Superman to this level to this like visceral action sound effects before no it wasn't because he was he was not doing he was not trying to do anything this like poppy you know yeah mm -hmm. yeah but one thing one thing i want to point out is that this is one of his uh i call them his black gutter books if you notice all the all of his gutters are always mm -hmm. black in in this one mm -hmm. uh the only other time he does that i i believe is we three yes i'm pretty sure yes like oh we no three. you know what dude no his judge dread uh his, his judge dread book uh Hondo City, he does the big sound effects. Mm -hmm. So maybe he brought it in from there. Yeah. Yeah, he did that early, early, early. But the Black Gutter thing is definitely like We Three vibes as well. 
Yeah. Well, that's yeah. So I, we talked. I didn't talk to you about this, but I was talking to, about about a friend of this that that about uh, when I because I have adopted the black gutter on on certain projects. Obviously, I copy everything the man does, um, but I like it because I don't. I just don't draw gutters sometimes when I do that. I'll just do it in like you know GIMP or whatever. I'll just draw the the gutters afterwards. But uh, one thing I like about this is it lets him do silhouettes like uh silhouetted foreground objects or or figures uh and he can do all that shit without uh it looking out of place because he doesn't have any other he doesn't use a lot of black still in this you know like there's more than all-star batman and robin right uh sorry all-star superman but not compared to um like normal comics where people just you know use a lot of blacks because they don't want to draw everything right Mm -hmm. um like you look in this and you immediately see like the uh these little like poles in the traffic thing like those those are those carry into it and then you see the like the lights of the car like uh cutting into the to the gutter which is like you know he he plays with that more and the only time he really does that kind of shit is in We 3 where he's like you know famously does like the tilted panel shapes and all that kind of stuff yeah the the panel borders uh become organic whenever for example like this first panel like it it becomes like an arch like the actual panel shape becomes an arch if you're if you were using specifically the area that isn't black and it's beautiful yeah he Uh uses like the entryway of the tunnel to frame the panel it becomes the panel itself basically yeah yeah exactly whereas you know you you can't do that in all star superman because it's white borders and it would look really weird to have a lot of black on a page like that you know yeah um just a little just putting you on a little little hidden little hidden game i don't know if you noticed oh. that if you were paying attention <laughs> i don't know i don't know theory. what you're i don't know what you're paying attention to i'm you know i'm one of the foremost quietly experts i'm just i'm completely today. new to this quietly guy did you did you notice the black panel borders at one point, I did. Uh, did you know that he did it in Wii 3 as well, and that's the other time that he did actually, it? Actually, no. You mentioned it, and I was like, wow. I Did you know Did you know that I did it in Border Town? I didn't. I didn't know did that. you know that I did it? <laughs> but it's great, it's great that he, he'll do like all these interesting, uh, innovative techniques, and for you, it's just a candy store. It's like, oh, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that looks fun. <laughs> Yoink. Hell yeah. My man got his shit off. Let me just steal that. It's like a, you know, that meme of like the, uh, the guys, like he works like the, or he looks, is it, he does this so that you can look like this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like a person like really bad and the other person is like chilling. Mm-hmm. Like the, the greasy hands, his hands look like this. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's him. And then me, I'm just chilling. <laughs> yeah. You're just reaping the benefits of every and his innovation he's ever done. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. I don't, I don't do anything new no but i i completely get that in the sense that like uh there's so many moments in in frank quietly comics where he's he's showing motion in a completely Mm -hmm. innovative or just natural way and i will immediately like do that uh in whenever i i get the chance like in holy west there is a, a a frank quietly homage like that's like blatant like op- open <laughs> ripoff nice. in in that in that book. Um, I've uh, I've stolen this like sound effect thing that he does in this. I mean, I've done it a lot, 
But what's amazing is sometimes I'll do it and the letter won't notice it. So they'll put the sound effect over the sound effect. It's awesome every time. Like, I've thought about just like, hey, editor, like, maybe we take off the giant boom over the thing that I wrote that clearly says boom behind it. But then I think, no, because then that's twice the sound effects. That's better. Yeah. <laughs> adding, so, an adding an echo. Adding an echo. Adding an echo. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we see the reason why Glub actually wanted to read this is uh, it has positive Russian representation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we see that uh, there's a car uh, being chased. There's an explosion. Uh, a cop being killed in the first panel. You know we like that, of course. Um, and in the car is a new character that uh, Morrison and quietly create named Mister Toad, who I love. Good vibes. Because it reminds me of all the like Mad Hatter Riddler kind of villains, where it's just like an ugly person in a suit. Mm-hmm. Like those are my favorite. He, he has zones. like this Miyazaki energy to him. Yeah, I see that. He's just like a weird looking little creature. Yeah, and he's hanging out with two Russians, I think, because the guy's name is Lev, so he must be Russian. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a cool bald guy. I... Oh yeah, just, well, there's two cool bald guys. There are all these guys in this car are bald, actually. Yeah, I guess Mister Mister Toad is bald. Yeah. Hey, fuck it. I'll take I'll take what I can get. One thing also I want to notice in that first panel is uh, I, I really love how um, the car is driving and you see it off the ground. I feel like that's such a Frank Miller-y kind of thing. Yeah. I don't think they're overly inspired by Frank Miller, either of them. But I do feel like that looks like a Sin City panel if it was like, you know, high. Uh, Realistic, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was high contrast, it would be like, you know frank millery kind of shit well that's the thing with quietly like he he's very realistic but at the same time very cartoony and uh yeah it just works perfectly yeah well, that's that's what i that's one of the things i really love about him is he doesn't use a lot of reference he doesn't trace everything is kind of yeah you can uh, see he's just vibing yeah and that's why i feel like (laughs) that's why i feel like i'm nowhere near as good as him obviously is like when i when i draw from his poses like i'll just do like little gesture sketches and it looks the same as if i do that at like starbucks like there's a fluidness it's organic the people feel real Hmm. and everything in this world feels real like everything that he draws feels like he understands the world that there's like a deeper level than other artists because he's thinking about how everything has to interact with each other. Yeah. Whereas I think some artists are just like, this would look cool if he's jumping like the, you know what I mean? Like it, this stuff to me, it feels like it's a world that he's creating and not that he's just drawing a comic book. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the reason why Gleb, like you said, is that cartooniness is, it's not like, fo- it's not photo reference. It's not like traced. It's all out of his imagination, which is sick. Yeah, every time I look at these pages, uh, I just wanna, I just wanna try to draw like with only pencil, without inks. But <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, like you, you have to have this uh, weekly line. Like, like my lines are too, too clean for this. Like, I, I don't think it would work with my style. Yeah, I'm always, you know, like I'm not always trying to be more like quietly i feel like daniel like jokes aside i i do see the influence of that in your work but you are a lot more like precise about the line you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it is not organic it's not nearly as sloppy as like me but uh 
that is one of the things when I started drawing, uh, I was working on a, a few books ago and I would always switch to different sizes of pens. I would go from like, you know, not microns, but like different uh, widths of like tech pens. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would try to get like line variation through like using a small or extra small or a fine or medium or whatever. And I was just constantly switching. And what I like about quietly is that he is just using a pencil. So I threw away all my pens that aren't like a 0.02, like very fine one. Cause I'm like, well, I'm never going to be that clean with a pencil. Right. But if I just have a very fine pen and I only use that to line everything, it'll be close enough. So that's kind of why, like I started drawing the way I did. I think on America, I got rid of all my other pens. So I only use the same size of pen for everything. Um, it's like very rare. Well, I'll need like a, 0.05 or something and it works but uh like it, yeah. you think so i i think so but um also on an in quietly's work like i mean yeah it works way better in his because because he, <laughs> he's way but better. i i but, i was i was i was gonna say that like maybe this is a little bit um blasphemous but i really enjoy his like flex mentalo and new x-men days when he had an inker oh it's blasphemous like it's it's controversial it's not like i'm like a super fan of inkers but uh there's there's something really enjoyable about uh what frank quietly's work looked with like a thickness of lines and i think that that maybe that that's where i've kept my work or like that's the the work sure. I reference when I'm when I'm when I'm doing Jesus Christ I'm so sorry about that Daniel's at the motor speedway <laughs> it, it, this happens every day sorry well you know what I you know I think it is Daniel mm-hmm. I think it's that you're you need all that control right because you have a big ego yeah it must, it must <laughs> be that like, me I'm more zen mm-hmm. so I'm allowing the lion to do the work I'm you know kind of giving myself over to that you feel like you need to control it it's a little different vibe yeah your work is like uh like a mandala that <laughs> that you're committing and just oh absolutely le- letting it happen yeah i feel like my art is really more like a prayer <laughs> 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 yeah no me me my 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 art is a, a torture a, a labor of of a suffering man who who is uh crying on the inside because of all of his ego yeah man well listen now that you've accepted that you have an ego i feel like you can move to the next sort of like like dealing next with plane it, you know? but not as high as you it's a different smaller plane hey i didn't say that but it... i did not say that i know that you like to compare yourself to everybody else because of your <laughs> ego mm-hmm. that's not what i'm about yeah daniel ego zari you're just a you're just a humble great guy it's all about peace and love you know yeah. that Yes, it's all about sort of reaching that next stage. Pe- the peacemaker, getting rid of your ego. They call you. They, some people have started calling me the peacemaker because I make the peace completely but... organically. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you laughing, Gleb? You know firsthand I make the peace. It's true. No, like no joke. That is true. Like I've, I, I feel like you have a record beefs squashed. I squash more beefs than anybody because I, because I, because I genuinely have no ego. Mm-hmm. But anyways. <laughs> we uh, we go to the next page. We see a fucking baller two page spread. Oh yeah. Normally I hate two page spreads. It feels like a waste of time. But if you're gonna do if you're gonna do two cars, one's the Batmobile, and it looks absolutely insane. 
Um, and the other one is like, you know, just this old timey car with Mr. Toad driving it. They're just like fucking cruising down this tunnel. I'm, I'm, I'm allowing that two page spread. Also, I want to give a shout out on this page to the fucking God, Alex Sinclair. Yes. I, I'm going to say right now, uh, I, I'm usually, uh, take or leave on Sinclair. His work on this book is incredible and it's probably my favorite of his, uh, out of now. Mm -hmm. Did you did you feel that way when we read Batman All Star Batman and Robin? I about this book, yes. Like I loved his his work on this book since way before. No, no, I'm asking how you felt about All Star Batman and Robin. Uh I it was it was okay. It did like I I think that this book allowed for more saturation than All Star mm. Batman and Robin. Like like there were brighter colors. I think my favorite uh, Sinclair's work is Hush, probably, but. This one is close second, but like m m my only uh, my only note is this weird uh, posterization effect on the background. Like <laughs> I hate it. Like, it, it, it no, I loved it. it. Like it was. I love it. Seriously, I seriously love it. Just like glove. Like wait, what? I don't know. It looks it, ran it, through it, a filter. Yeah, it looks like you said the posterization filter. What I love about it, Gleb, is uh, do you like? Dark Knight Strikes Again? Yeah. I It feels to me the most Alex Sinclair has experimented with, like, just generally. No, no, he no, I agree. Kind of like, stuff often. Uh, it's cool that he's experimenting. I, I'm just I'm just saying, like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, a really weird effect. It, it's a weird thing, yeah. It's super yeah. weird. Yeah, uh, it's a weird-ass comic. And like I said, if it's all supposed to be pop, graphic, you know, just like... It, then doing the posterization effect, like doing all that stuff in the context of like, this is a weird ass comic, you know, I'm down with it. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a weird texture. It's a weird energy. So I, I, I've always, when I first read it, I thought like, cause I said, like, listen, I read it, you know, I, I didn't buy the book when on the stand, we'll put it that way. I read it a different way. And I thought I had got scammed. I thought somebody, <laughs> I thought somebody had uploaded pages wrong. I thought, this is not how they meant to print this, right? Like, this is a fuck-up? Yeah, but, and, like, uh, all the characters, they colored, like, without this. It's all yeah. in backgrounds. <laughs> I think that's why it's weird. I bring it up on this, though, because the two-page spread has these two cars, and they're so fucking shiny. Yeah, yeah. And one of them is, like, the sort of, like, high-gloss, like, in the shiniest blue car you've ever seen. And the other one is this weird, like gun medley like super washed out i i, I don't know the, what this shit's the, called i think that's weird because uh it feels like it shouldn't work with quietly's art but it absolutely does i think i think you're right it doesn't feel like quietly's art would lend itself to this kind of experimentation mm -hmm. and yet i think because it's so solid mm -hmm. it does um and you know maybe if he was colored by somebody who wasn't like trying to do weird things on it I would like it more, <laughs> but uh, it isn't. So I would love to know, hear I, uh, Quietly's opinion on these colors, just because yeah. I I think that they 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 are a very unique take on Quietly that doesn't happen in probably any other Quietly book or where Quietly has a say on how it's colored. Feels like he always gravitates to these very soft. Um, almost like airbrushy colors on on his work well 
I mean, he had worked with Jamie Grant previously on All Star mm-hmm. Superman, and as you'll see on this book, he's not working with. Yeah, him. no, and this is like so the think, sharpest contrast. You, I might tell you how, that might tell you how he feels about that, but I mean, like, it's interesting because this is the second time he had realized he doesn't have to ink anything. Mm-hmm. The first one was All Star Superman. Mm-hmm. This one was like it's also very experimental on his part of like, all right. By the time he does Jupiter's Legacy, he's got it. Like he figured it out. Um, so, you know, that book, you look at the, there's a studio edition of it and it looks like it's practically inked and the colors on it are much more like traditional. I think the first one is Peter Townsend. The second one is, I want to say Sonny Yu is the person's name. The, and they're both like very different. So the, the second, the legacy, Jupiter's legacy part two is very soft and like, like liquidy feeling. Like kind of like things look a little rubbery. There's like high, uh, there's like uh, highlights that are really strong highlights, and the Peter Townsend stuff is kind of just more like straight. The my favorite coloring on him, some or some of it anyways, is uh, in Pax Americana. Mm-hmm. Um, that in that um, it was um, oh my god, <laughs> Nathan Fairbairn. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. I was blanking on my boy's name. And I talked to him about that at a con one time, you know, because, like, if people work with Quietly, they just want to know all about it. <laughs> and I was, like, he was he was leaving the bar, and I was, like, walking up to it to get dinner or something. I was, like, oh, my God, what was it like to color Quietly on Pax America? <laughs> <laughs> and he was, like, uh, oh, man, it was cool. Um, he's, like, it was kind of weird because he's so – he does so much stuff that – when he colors himself, you look at it and he like paints everything mm-hmm. on some of his coloring stuff. It'll be like little dimples are, are in there, you know? And so when he doesn't color himself, I don't, I don't know how much I don't like, I think he genuinely has no ego at all. I think he's one of the most like, like down to earth, like humble dudes. I try to be like mm-hmm. him, you know, I, I reach for that level of, of humility of egolessness. You know, I just want to be, fucking floating adrift in the ocean like him of life but you know it is what it is he i i don't i don't know how much like he i've never heard him say anything like negative about a color i don't talk to him maybe he probably does in real life yeah a sign of a sign of uh weakness and ego is having issues with colorists (laughs) i would never yeah (laughs) but you know what though it's like when you color yourself, you know exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. When I color myself, I don't do rendering. You know what I mean? I go flat, uh, like two colors. I like it to look like, you know, kind of like a screen printing, right? Like I know Gleb, when you color, you like to do all kinds of highlights and like airbrushy and like filter, like filters over it to make it like look. You know. Yeah, I just want to create the specific, the specific mood, and yeah, I, I kind of like that uh, early thousands style of coloring. Yeah, and uh, Daniel, you have like a very sort of like yeah, like candy kind of colors, like very like very bright yeah, it's, it, color, like you it, know. I try to keep it like context uh, area colors. Like I don't, I don't do anything too bright or bombastic unless it's a very specific moment. But I, I think with with it with in Gleb's case um i guess since we're talking about Sinclair i always see like that influence on on his work 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially in in creating this like atmosphere and mood. I think he's very good at it, uh, especially in this book. Like he he nailed yeah. it perfectly. Gleb, you should like, consider I mean, like, posterizing it... backgrounds. <laughs> hey, I think you should. You know what's funny is I did a for the seventy fifth anniversary or eightieth of Robin. I did the Damien story in there. Uh, and when I colored it, and when I when I drew it, I told Tamara like, "Can we do those posterized backgrounds for the thing?" And she was like, "Absolutely." Not. <laughs> Damn. I was like, I was like, "Can you do that?" She's like, "Can I? Yeah. Will I? No." <laughs> so I was like, well, I, I, "I don't blame her." It? Like, no, I blame her. It's one of the, it's one of the reasons why we still fight to this very day. Hey, hey Daniel, have have you have you drawn uh, Damien? On uh, for uh, DC Comics, Daniel? No. Oh, so why are you comparing yourself to us, dude? <laughs> this is not what this is about. No, it's just y'all both have gotten to draw Damien. Y'all, y'all have. Well, listen, I, I over this way. I didn't have any fucking stands when I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, mine was a very uh, early. It was literally that issue came out like the day everybody went into lockdown. <laughs> Like that book was not well received or read. Um, I was I obviously listen. We'll talk about it. I want to I want to know Gleb's thoughts on on Damien on Robin and everything. But uh, I was hyped to do it because I love this book so much. Right? He's not my favorite Robin Damien. Still, um, and we'll talk about that afterwards because yeah. I know you said yours was Dick Grayson. Yes. I want to have a round Robin sort of face off at the end of this thing. Um, but. Uh, I want I want to do it because I just wanted to sort of you know, fucking live in this moment of like getting to be like do a quietly ish kind of thing. So I've I wanted to go full board every way I can make it like that. Tamara, fucking she was not down. Do the do the posterized background. She said no. Fuck off. <laughs> We're not doing that. But it came out cool. I with the the compromise was like, well, can you at least color it like the Joel Schumacher movies, like that palette? It's like all right. Because <laughs> that's that's my you know Batman Forever is my favorite Batman movie of course. Batman Forever what's is, yours? is underrated. What's your favorite Batman movie, Daniel Gleb? Hmm. Uh, I think Batman Returns like is the most god of Batman movies. That's the uh, I can't I can't argue with that one. It's it, I think it just. I want to be like counterculture and provocative, and be like Batman and Robin with George Clooney. But um, the Batman Returns is such a perfect masterpiece. Like I feel like most people think about that movie when they're thinking about Batman. Like people who don't read the comics. I don't think that's true at all. I think they're probably thinking of the Dark Knight now at this point. You think? You think? Uh, you're maybe. I. I. I Batman Forever is a perfect movie. Um, we'll talk, By the way, we'll, I, I, think, I, think, a... I think Batman Forever was the first Batman movie I ever saw. Me too. It's a perfect movie. And it had Don the Dragon Wilson as the fucking, like, Sholo Day of the Dead gang Tommy leader. Lee Jones as, as Two-Face was wild. Drew Barrymore and Debbie Mazzara, Sugar and Spice, bro. Come on. What are you talking about? I... Stop I do have the me. sentimental attachment to Batman Forever. Anyways, let's get back to the let's get back to the 
I forgot where we were talking about. I forgot how we got. <laughs> yeah, no, we were talking about this. the two-page spread. We were talking about like the spread. weird decision. How I wanted Tamara to posterize it. Right, right, yeah. Right, right. We we went on a Sinclair tangent. Sinclair does that. He drives us nuts. I I and in this book, I am I'm 100 on that bandwagon. That's beautiful. I'm glad about that. Well, Gleb sounds like he's not really on that bandwagon on this. No, book. no, no. I, I, like like it, it was it was my only note on the, the, the these colors like uh, everything else i love oh, okay the weird sky that like he he puts i i'm like i'm 100% certain frank like quietly just le- left them blank but mm-hmm. he like fills <laughs> yeah, it in with like this <laughs> I do, sky listen, <laughs> image <laughs> I, I leave my skies blank literally all the time and i say tamara can you just drop some clouds in there she said draw them and i said <laughs> no, just put the... yeah. I, I I won't draw clouds. Like it's a waste of time. But it, you, it yeah, is... you can just you can just put them like from from the photos or stuff like that. By the way, uh, <laughs> Sinclair and shiny things. Like in in the third issue, there was a page where Alfred like staring at the photos of Bruce Dick and uh, Damien, and <laughs> on the second panel, uh, the floor is like. It's one hundred percent meant to be uh, a carpet, <laughs> and uh, Sinclair was like, "Nope, <laughs> it's it's a sh- it's a shiny floor, <laughs> like yeah, carpet." Yeah, yeah, you you can see the texture or like uh, on the shadows from the table, and he's like, "Nope." <laughs> yeah, I see that. I'm looking at it right now. You can even see where where where, where the carpet ends. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. Yeah, he just gave them little uh, glares and everything. Man, this fucking book is awesome. Anyways, so yeah, Dick, uh, Dick, Damien driving down the road, and uh, Robin says, "I told you it would work. All I had to do, uh, all I had to do was adapt my father's blueprints." And I like how I like how Damien, oh yeah, Dick responds, "I'm sorry, I ever doubted you, Damien." It's <laughs> like, all right, bro, let's just get this going. And uh, we get some more cool sound effects, and they blow up the car, or uh, they, you know, they knock it off its course. Um, and uh, there's a there's a note. I mean the the next page. Uh, Damien tells Dick, "Never use real names in the field, like in his quotes, your words." And Dick says, "Oh, you're paying attention." Uh, and he's like, "You know <laughs> that, how to kill that was a test flying yeah, Batmobile when I was Robin." Yeah. That that's going to be important though. The fact that I there's a little detail though of 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 Morrison saying, Robin like pointing out the fact that you know you're not supposed to use field names or whatever out out in public because uh, there's a line that I want to use in my wrap up from a later issue that that he references back to that that's that's really neat. So um, yeah. Anyways, the Russians say now we die now we die. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I love uh, like the big fucking glares in Mister Toad's yeah. fucking eyes, and he's like, "Yes, yes." <laughs> but they don't die because the Batmobile, the goofy looking like little buggy Batmobile. Thing, I love, I like, love this. Up and Batman, like, I think it's my favorite comics, Batmobile. Such a quietly Dude, yeah. concept, though. Yeah, it's so fucking good. So simple, like the, it, that's... it's literally perfect. It, it, uh, is there any t- choice with it? I don't know. Like, they 
they should have used it in the movies. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've only seen it like in backgrounds of things now. Like I hate the fact that yeah, yeah. they have to go back to like a regular looking like little tank Batmobile. Like I don't like that at all. I like I like how bouncy it is. Mm-hmm. It's fun, you know. Um so yeah, it drops he drops Mr. Toad into the thing into the uh into the river. Another cool splash sound effect. And Mr. Toad is a uh, what like uh grabs a suitcase and starts climbing up a ladder and says ignorant jossers so it better be worth it pig had better be pleased which uh i don't know i just love everything about this like the art is so good this like gross little villain so awesome um and he gets he climbs about out of the river and he just sees batman and robin's fucking sick ass boots there waiting for him yeah this is a this is a Ramon Villalobos panel here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quietly so good with liquids, like all, all, yeah. all this organic stuff. It's perfect. By the way, this these clouds on the background, I, I don't mind uh, pasteurization effect on them. I, I just think uh, you just don't like it on the tunnel and literally every other background element. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's also a bit of a grain. Uh, like maybe not to the extent yeah, as yeah, it is yeah. on the backgrounds. There's still some of that on the characters. It's not like the characters are free from this. Yeah, there's like there's like a weird. Uh, it looks like a mistake again. Like it looks like he he colored it normal, and then he just like raised an adjustment layer on something. Because mm-hmm. like there there's definitely weird like secondary colors where there shouldn't. It doesn't look like it would naturally be there. It looks mm-hmm. uh, it, it looks like the first Mortal Kombat game. <laughs> <laughs> one thing i want to do know about these boots is when i when i was reading this that's when i got really obsessed with learning how to draw like shoes and stuff like because these boots i always thought they looked so cool especially like on the cover like i loved how that little tip of the boot like lifts up and i feel like i'd never seen that before mm-hmm. in like a comic so then i just like i started kind of drawing like fake versions of those and then i was like well let me just look at a fucking real shoe at that time, I was walking everywhere, so I just put holes in my shoes. I didn't have nice shoes. So then, like, you know, eventually, I would just, like, start asking my cousin, like, oh, what is a cool shoe? He would tell me, and I would just draw that, you know? Then I had to look it up on my own. Here we are. I'm an expert. Now you're, now you're the shoe but man. <laughs> now I'm a fucking shoe guy. Yeah, so then next page, we see them knock out Mr. Toad. Great, I love this panel. panel. We... Yeah, I tried to ape it for my fucking thing. It did not come out cool. I think <laughs> I tried. I tried my best. It did not look. This tight. is exactly why Frank Quietly is is the best. It's the panel after the action. There isn't any uh, speed lines, or there isn't any motion lines to indicate that those punches come from another place. Like that, there's a swing. Or anything like that. It is it it is just conveyed at the exact moment where all the information you need is understood. And basically, instead of a, a sound effect or a big uh, e- explosion type uh, thing, it's the suitcase. The suitcase is acting yeah, as yeah, the yeah. smack. Yeah, and the dominoes like popping out. They like make the the motion effect. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah, it's sweet. You can fun. feel the impact also, of the, their heat. I also love the little drip off of Mr. Toad's chin because he's yeah. punched real hard, but he's wet. 
And it feels like a a a panel that just wouldn't be in a, in a in a traditional superhero comic like this. Like one thing I'll point out about this page is something that I love about Quietly is that uh, he doesn't draw a lot of backgrounds. He famously hates it. Um, that's why when he drew, he draws them, but like in a smart way. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is like he draws. He'll pick like a sliver. And he'll draw everything he needs to do, tiny as fuck. So you get all the information. You know exactly where everybody's at. But like if they're on a roof, you'll see like the alleyway and like the, the top corner of the panel. And there's all of it there. There's like the cars on the road, the 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 next building, the the windows on it, the people on the street, lights uh you know, across the street. Like it's all there, but it uses up like a fraction of the panel on just like the top left corner. Whereas everybody else would be like, let me try to draw everything fucking that thing, all the bricks, all like, you know, it's not, it's not an efficient way to do it. Mm-hmm. And quietly is not fast, but I always love that, you know, what he gives you is perfect. And it's so smartly done that to avoid work, like he's the, he's the smartest, he knows the smartest way to draw lazy. I'm, I'm constant awe of how he does that. Yeah. At the bottom of this panel, like he literally draws like the. The corners of three buildings. And that's yeah. it. And it works. That's all you need. Like, as a reader, you, yeah. you understand perfectly where, where we are. The the, but, 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 the two sort of black panels that we have, like, where, where Mr. Toad is, like, coming into place, is just, these are, like, purely uh, Alex Sinclair fucking with those panels. Like, this is exactly, just like, that, that posterized filter. He's, like, running through it. Um, you're getting Uh all these like secondary, um, uh, accidental colors. Um, it's great. Like it, it feels, Uh, it makes the sky and the background posterization stuff feel very purposeful and it works. I love them down. The first, the first panel is not that big. Like it's just, uh, barely one third of the page and all these, uh, black panels uh, third and the fourth one like they're pretty they're pretty big and it, it just it, it creates this uh, pacing when it's not something big that happened when they uh, they captured him like it, him. it's just yeah. Oh, yeah, you, I think you know that I, mean. I think that that's yeah. that's why this book sort is is also a breezier read yeah, like, yeah. There, there is a a agreed decompression between Morrison and Quietly to uh, sort of like let the story breathe with like these sort of like bigger, emptier panels. Yeah. So Batman holds a uh, blindfolds pr- uh, Mister Toad, and he he says he's going to drop him uh, out of the sky if he you know he's like doing interrogate advanced interrogation tactics. This is the one thing about this book that I did notice about uh, Dick as Batman is he does this quite a bit where he'll just like uh, torture someone to get information. <laughs> That's out of how them. he's getting in Batman character. He's like, how can I be Batman? His detective mode is to just, yeah, torture yeah. people. It's kind of sick. Uh, when he starts in the second guy with the burning head, it's like, <laughs> it's the Sin City torture. Straight up. Yeah, he's like literally driving him down the road and dragging his head on the on the cement. Marv it's literally crazy. does that in the movie. Yeah. Or in the comic too. Yeah. But you know, he's just playing with this full toad. He'd like you know, he's not really gonna drop him off a building. He like drops him like two feet 
from the ground. <laughs> um, yeah, I love the I love that he like drops in front of this police. He's like covered and he's like ripping the thing off his head. He just looks like such old school like kind of superhero-y shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of Toad's dialogue is is has like a froggy taste to it. <laughs> so then we get there at the Wayne Manor and they're packing up all the fucking Batcave. I like how like the uh the robot T-Rex is all like burned out and like fucked up looking. Mm-hmm. And again, you just see it through like the silhouette in the foreground. Very cool. Um they have like the bat copter and it's like in shambles. They're like covering everything with cloth so it doesn't get uh dusty, I guess. I like that out that's a concern of Alfred's. Better preserve the shit. Um Yeah, and they're just talking about how they had just lost uh Bruce Wayne because he at this point is killed and sent backwards in time by the Omega beams in Final Crisis. Yeah, um, for 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 the intents and purposes of this book, he's dead. Like Right, right. We're, we're right. processing the the loss of Batman as as something that's like definite. And and I I like I would have appreciated that even though it's I know it's impossible. It's funny like at, on a tangent I did want to mention like this book was coming out at the exact same time as Captain America got killed and Bucky replaced him. I just yeah, thought it yeah. was funny like there... that these two books had practically the same uh like Batman and Captain America were going through basically the exact same story arc at the uh, at the exact same time, and there was very different executions uh, on on both sides, but both were inevitably plagued by the the assurance that everybody had that the the original was going to come back. It's uh, it's funny you bring that up because I was just talking about the that whole thing because Brubaker has been yeah he's been of, in the or he went. On, he talked to Kevin Smith about how he gets more money off of a cameo from like, some movie he was in. I don't know which one. Was he in Winter he Soldier? He was a background person in Winter Soldier, yes. <laughs> yeah, he said he gets more royalties off a cameo from when the Winter Soldier movie than like any royalties from making the character or whatever. And it's like, well, you you didn't make yeah, it. Yeah, it was an existing <laughs> character. <laughs> like, it, it was a new design. Yeah. So, like, basically, the artist is the one who... Yeah, redefine them. I love that our guy Rob had been giving him shit. I heard he did like a whole roast session somewhere where he was just like, you know, when I create things, I create things from the ground up. (laughs) He's like, I don't, I don't don't take existing characters and just like change their costume. I like, you know, I make Deadpool, I make Cable, motherfucker, I make shit. You don't do that. I don't know why he has that vendetta against Brubaker, but I do think it's fucking hilarious. Um, but it would be like if Morrison was like, wow, they used uh, Dick Grayson as Batman and nobody gave me a call. Okay. <laughs> like, I get it. Like, they came up with the name Winter Soldier. They were the ones that said, make him emo with long hair and makeup and, you know, the metal arm. I understand it, you know. But, like, Bucky was around. Yeah, it it, it is weird that Steve Epting wasn't in this conversation at all. But but more to your point, Daniel. Uh, I didn't. I did point out the fact that it it was super weird that like literally, Batman gets unstuck in time and is like you know going uh like the Return of Bruce Wayne was him like bouncing through different time periods like trying to solve the mystery of what happened to him and like almost the same exact thing was happening in Captain America but with like more of a Kurt Vonnegut like take on it 
very very interesting but uh yeah it's just something that i that i had been thinking about uh i've been watching the falcon winter soldier thing and as i was reading this like it just sort of all flushed back the the idea yeah. that uh, because i really liked uh bucky as captain america for that bit of time oh, it was interesting i mean it felt much more like this feels much more like a new book batman and robin feels like a new book with a new premise where whereas with the captain america stuff it felt like a continuation of the same captain america book same artist same same writing um same coloring it felt like the same thing whereas here it, it's what we keep coming back to like the promise of of what yeah. this was going to be and i guess going back to this page it 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 is like the the uh, the meditation on what Batman means and what uh, the responsibility that Dick Grayson has to assume uh, with that mantle. Yeah. And he's like, you know, packing up the shit. He's like, all right, like it's, you know, I love the idea that he's going, we're going to see his new place here in a second, but he's going from like the stuffy old mansion to like a new money kind of apartment downtown. You know, I, I'd like that idea of like, He's more of a playboy in Gotham and not like like a freak living on the outer fringes, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. He's like a he's like a tech millionaire and not like some you know oil baron from the in 1930s. a very Batman shaped building. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we see his grave and Alfred says like, "Oh, you know, Master Bruce would have been proud of you." Whatever. Like, <laughs> sure. Yeah, probably. And then yeah, we see the new building. By the way, uh, j- just want to mention this cool panel, uh, which is basically the the car window is the panel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I like how the uh, the I- the ivy or whatever of the plant is like mm-hmm. cutting into that too. Yeah, because the panel Very the cool. panel is just the window shape. Yeah. It- it's not right. the square. It's not the rectangle that encompasses it. So. Quietly got to do this really interesting thing of like weaving the panels into each other in a way that, again, I feel like Quietly sticks to squares. Even though he will like tilt them to make things crazy, this feels like a, a much more organic panel shape than what we're used to. Yeah, I've always admired that about him, and uh, it's he doesn't need to do like inset panels or like weird shape panels or you know. Uh, he doesn't do like gimmicky storytelling. It's almost always all it could be on a grid if if you wanted to make it a grid, you know, like it's all it's all rectangles. But when he but when he does make it like these black borders and having silhouettes cut in, it uh, it feels a little bit more like he's doing interesting things. But it could still like you could still just draw the panel borders there if you wanted to. Sinclair Sinclair on the background on this last panel does go a little bit crazy like that sky is that it rules. looks chopped and screwed <laughs> yeah it's sick I love that about it anyways so yeah we get them in the mansion it's like a he li- he is living in like a tiktoker influencer <laughs> house like these new young LA fucking uh, mansions that all look exactly like this yeah the the, the apartment um, the the condo yeah yeah I also like how he's got the Elon Musk tunnel underground for his Batmobile, and it like goes yeah. outside of the panel. Like you could, you could say that that 
Uh, mm-hmm. Bottom layout would be the quote unquote back cave, but the the tunnel actually like moves out of the page, in in a sense. Yeah. So uh, it's Alfred bringing them drinks, you know, hanging out, doing Alfred shit. Um, and Damien is being a little prick, of course. Like you know, treats everybody like shit. Thinks he knows more than everyone. You know, Alfred's trying to like give him a little bit of help or whatever, and he's like, "Whatever, dude." Um, I like that. I like that stuff. And Dick is sort of saying like, "Oh, you know, like, uh, I wish I could shake the feeling that I'm wearing a shroud." Like he's feeling a little insecure about his position as becoming Batman, stepping into his father's shoes. And I love that Damien's reaction is like, well, dude, if you don't want to fucking do it, just move aside. I'll do it. I'll be Batman. He's like fucking Yeah, like, Dick's experiencing the imposter syndrome, not only because Batman's shoes are impossibly big to feel, but also because he feels like Damien could do it better if he was old enough. You think he thinks that? That's an interesting take. I don't think he thinks that. I see that a little bit. I, I think... In in maybe it's just like the way quietly draws sort of a a, a a reluctance a reluctant expression on on Dick's face, but it almost feels like he knows he's sort of like holding a place for when Damien yeah, yeah. grows up. Yeah, I think he he's a little bit jealous of Damien's confidence. You know, yeah, I don't I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like. I feel like in this in this book in in the Batman the Batman sort of like mythos in my head is that Dick Grayson was always like preternaturally gifted at all this shit. And you know, Damien on the next page is like, you know, talk, like shitting on him saying, "I was bred for the job and trained in the martial and trained in the arts of war by the masters of my mother's League of Assassins. I could just as easily continue my father's work of my own." But, like, Dick Grayson didn't need that. Like, and he was still Robin. He didn't die. He was totally, like, he's do he did essentially the same job as the current Robin. Like, you know, he and he tells him as much. He says, well, maybe one day, Damien, but not today. Get in the car and don't forget your mask. And I like fucking Alfred's face like, oh, this shit. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, great, a great bit of, uh, like, dialogue-less acting. I, one of the things I love is how he like quietly will have everybody participating even if they don't have dialogue like alfred's yeah. expression there is is uh says so much yeah so i love how when he when they leave uh bet uh dame uh dick gives the line crime is doomed <laughs> like he, he's just getting them amped up saying like real corny batman type <laughs> shit and damien's just like you know <laughs> <laughs> he literally says hmm so they're driving, and they go to... Uh, they don't go to the circus, right? We just cut to a circus, um, or like an abandoned circus. Gotham has so many abandoned circuses. That's the thing, is like, which one? Yeah, right? it's a nightmare in every corner. Um, and we see a bunch of these little girls that are all dressed the same. They got the same, like, freak faces and, you know, uh, red, long red hair and, like, creepy little blue dresses. Um. And then we see Mr. Toad in prison saying, you know, you can't keep me here. The city will belong to us soon. Don't know who. Then we see another old timey car. I do like how he mixes like old timey cars with modern cars. Mm -hmm. Like the old timey cars are always for the villains. They're always like, you know. It it also makes sense because they're all these old school like circus guys. And it just feels right. Well, I like it because 
it makes them feel like Dick Tracy yeah. villains. Like all the ba- all my favorite Batman villains, like I said, are just like freaks in suits. And yeah, like that's a Dick Tracy villain. They should all just drive old school cars and think it's like you know Al Capone era. Mm-hmm. I think Frank Wiley does a really good blend of sort of the the, the anachronism of Gotham and yeah. somehow also making it modern. Like he'll have like these like big neon signs um and some modern cars and and Sinclair will give it like brighter colors but then at the same time he will put in that sort of like old world architecture at the same time it it feels mm. like a a really delicate dance that could have been uh messed up by a a lesser artist so then we cut to them back in the batmobile and uh, Damien still talking shit says if you can, uh, you can have my respect if you earn it. That's all I'm saying. You're not my father. <laughs> such a like, it's such a petulant, like childish little <laughs> yeah. thing to say to him. And I love his response. It's just like, yeah, lose the attitude, Robin. <laughs> I can still offer Tim Drake his old job back. And then, uh, uh, the line, this is it. Batman and Robin together again for the first time. That's such a classic Grant Morrison thing to say. <laughs> I love, I love when he just says punchy or they say, punchy little lines like that it's so fucking satisfying to read that stuff like the uh the classic one that i always remember is damien in 666 where he says the apocalypse uh is canceled until further notice or whatever he says like that it's like you remember the movie trailer line like like, if it was a movie like yeah it was in the trailer like first line or the last line and it's so great it's it's kind of like emblazoned in my memory uh, like the experience yeah. of reading this and it it's a cheeky line <laughs> like together again for yeah. the first time it it works perfectly because batman and robin is this institution that we've known for 70 years or however long it had been when this issue came out but this is the first time we're seeing them works really well what i what i like what I like about it too is uh, this little panel that he drew them in. They're so fucking absurdly tiny, like you you could not draw them smaller. <laughs> okay. But like you know, like you said, Glove, like you know, there's so many opportunities where he could make like the two people punching that could be like half the page. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you could like savor the fucking like the cool moment, but he makes the the cool moment like the tiniest fucking little thing, and it just works because he's just like you know balancing scale doing all kinds of shit you know by the way like elite storytelling could do better on this panel <laughs> because i feel like this is, <laughs> this is one soft. of the cases where quietly decided to draw some cloud detail for no reason you could and yeah. i think sinclair well wait it's not quietly's fault it's sinclair's fault for sure gleb is right about that let's i've never saying quietly's at fault for a, a man yeah it's just that sinclair tried to contour those cloud lines in a way that was much less fun than the than well, the he, process stuff he was doing before no, no i mean he, he, he kind of loses the focus on this car and batman and robin like mm-hmm. you could do it you could do it a little bit a little bit lighter yeah that guy could have been brighter spot. to make the batmobile pop mm-hmm. you hear that sinclair you hear that if you're listening you fucked up so next page is one of my favorite things in there. He's got like the two gooniest looking cops I've ever seen. They're such. They like, might as well be know. the same person. They might as well be twins. 
it just looks like two super Irish looking <laughs> ass dudes or Scottish or whatever. Like they just look so fucking just like uh, gormless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For lack of a better word. They just like their, their, their jackets are like ill fitting and they got like these underbites and, you know, overbites and, you know, fucking goofy noses. I just love how he draws these two little dudes. And they're only there for two pages, but they just feel like, yeah, I know who these guys are. <laughs> they're, they're like uh, th- those two dudes from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like the, the lazy fat ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so Gordon's there. He's lighting up the, uh, the bat Once signal. again, quietly, uh, masterfully cheating on the background on that, like, sort of... That's that's always my go-to example of look at the that look at the that, that third Bu- panel those buildings in the corner <laughs> it's incredible like the depth <laughs> third panel that he does in that third like panel it, it, it technically has background <laughs> you, yeah. you can't say nothing <laughs> yeah absolutely not yeah. It, it is it is masterful in 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 creating space it's just like it's infuriating to me how well he does it and like. It, it I feel I really do feel like Jesse Pinkman's screaming he can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then we see Batman and Robin jump off fucking six shot full page splash. That's why I think he knows like I don't have to do it on every page. Like I'm gonna have my moment. That moment will be fucking mm-hmm. sick, and you know that's the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we cut to. Um, the flaming head guy. I still don't know his name. I don't know if they ever said it, uh, if they ever say it. But he uh, he crawls out in front of the police station, and the two idiot cops. Uh, they they might as well be the yeah, same up to cops, but they're not. It's the same like lumpy yeah, they run up, uh, archetype. They run up, and it's kind of like the call the ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly that is exactly the the intention of of this flame head guy. I mean, he literally says, help, help, somebody help me. And they come out to help him. And he says, light me. And he, like, starts fucking burning their throats. So then we cut to a girl talking to her dad. She's uh, she's the niece of the Russian from the first thing with Mr. Toad, the first scene. This and is Lev, I think. Lev is the one in the... Mm-hmm. Lev is the other the guy. Bo- the Lev bold is the... one. Lev yeah. is the one yeah. in the closet. Lev is the dead bald one. The hideous, disgusting mm-hmm. bald one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so so he's dead, and then we see that Mr. Pig, a uh, Professor Pig rather, has tied down the other Russian guy in like this crazy rope, <laughs> like concoction under the table, and he's just talking hot shit, saying like, you know, I'm gonna remake you, just do like some supervillain evil shit. Pig is just into a Japanese shibari. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He says, uh, "You've been a bad man, Nico, but that's all over now. Pig will make you perfect." I love, you know, you know how I feel about this. I love serial killer villains. I love ugly Batman villains where it's just a guy with a mask or a fucking ugly head. And this is his first appearance, right? Yeah, this is the first time we meet Professor Pig. And he's just a guy who takes these, like, weird little doll faces and burns it on the people's, uh, like, over their actual faces. So they're just, like, deformed doll head freaks. They're called Dollatrons. And all of these, all of, basically, they become his army. Yeah, and then it cuts to his daughter screaming, and then he's, you know, Professor Pig, like, then your daughter, in fact, you'll help me with her. And when I'm done, you'll both be lovely dolls together. Pig will make her perfect, too. Pig is here to make everything perfect. Close up on her scream, 
then next in Batman and Robin, the circus of strange. And then we get these three cool panels that are like a next time on Batman. Something kind of that thing, I did, never like saw them. done in comics. Yeah, it was very crazy. Cause I think cause like the space that you have for it is like the economy of space is like, why would I waste that? But like you said, they're pretty like, uh, they're, they, they kind of just do whatever yeah, the fuck yeah. they want. Plus it, it adds to the mood. So the whole mood of the series. Yeah. Of like the poppy mm-hmm. fun, it's old school kind of shit. So yeah, we see Batman fighting this weird silhouette who we will learn is like a Siamese triplet guy. Yeah, it's like three dudes acting uh, as one. Dollar- like that scene, I, I read the I reread the second issue and it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> and then we see uh Bat uh Robin getting stomped out by the Dollatron and then a bloody domino. And I think in the I I think in the um in the single issue format, there was that other page, right? That was like, and then what comes next? Yeah. The, the this run, yeah, do not miss. Yeah, they, that's not in the trade. Yeah, they have they have uh, Damien walking away from. Like you can tell that all of these were drawn before any of those future issues were drawn. So it's it's fascinating to see um, where these are like the glimpses of what if Quietly had stuck with the book. And you yeah. so you see Damien like running away. You see like this hint of the new Red Hood. You see uh, Batwoman fighting Batman while uh, the original <laughs> Batman is being resurrected. And you see uh, a mysterious masked man with the keys to the Wayne Manor. <laughs> Imagine if they did that like in the first or oh, uh, in the third issue, <laughs> but it's like. Next in Batman Robin, him does just Philip ten panels. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish, like I would have been more ready. And so yeah, I mean, like that's the first issue. Uh, you want to do our our episode sort of break our our one issue breakdown? Of I mean, the we thing? we can break it down, but we're we we're also talking from the context of like we uh, we saw further into it. We can talk about, I guess, maybe a little bit more broadly what we thought about. Batman and Robin. Yeah, after the one issue. Okay, let's talk about the, the, the first issue, issue specifically. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 are your takeaway from that issue? I I was ecstatic when I when I first saw it. I was down from 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 just reading this. I I'm I'm sure I would have kept reading it even if this issue was like let's say like normal or like mid. I but this mm-hmm. was uh a gateway like maybe this was how new x-men was for you is like your only x-men experience uh this mm-hmm. is like my only real batman experience i tried to read uh other stuff i got into like later i found uh morrison's uh when morrison started with detective comics and like andy hubert right um mm-hmm. but this to me is is tops I I was so happy to see a change. It, it's like you get to see the Batman and Robin dynamic flipped. You get serious uh, Robin and sort of a, a jokier Batman um, or, or a, a more lighthearted Batman or Batman without so much of the trauma. And... Uh, I don't know. I I didn't know I was starving for this until I first read it, and it it left 
uh, a good enough impression where I stuck past it in like like <laughs> I I I just forgot to cancel it on my pull list, but I it was good. <laughs> I I was happy. Um, Sinclair killed it. Um, story wise, it's light, so we can't really like uh, speculate or really get into um, the nitty gritty uh, of of what the what the Batman and Robin plot is. But it's just a really great encapsulation of the promise. Well, if we're mm-hmm. calling it that, Gleb, what do you have any thoughts? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when I first read it, like uh, I didn't know why like why Zeke became Batman I, I I didn't know the can the context but I I, I didn't even care uh, that, that, that's when I, I I think that's when uh, for the first time I thought that I prefer like the good standalone books and I don't really care for the whole continuity thing you know just uh, and yeah, that, that, that was very, very fresh. Where, like, f- for me, when it, like when I read it for the first time, and uh, I, I haven't read a lot of Batman comics at that point, and still, uh, like, yeah, I, I still uh, get that uh, that was very different. I think it's I think it's different with art than it is with music but i i guess uh, following this book as it came out like contempor contemporaneously or, or uh, as it was coming out was great like getting new frank quietly when i had already like completely converted uh was was a treat and every single one of these pages is a masterclass i I feel that way about most quietly books, but this issue in in particular was um so refreshing because we're like we're working with such a such a cemented aesthetic, the Batman aesthetic. And this somehow kept a portion of it and then upended the rest into something that was to me, more interesting than most Batman stuff, which is why I still like lament the shift back into a more conventional artist. No, no hate. Uh, uh, all, re- all due respect to the Tan Man. <laughs> I, 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 I was just um, so impressed by by this. I'm, I'm just flipping through it again, and and loving all these little moments and. Again, big shout outs to Alex and Claire. I feel like this book would not have been the same without him. Yeah, so my thoughts are are this. I like how this book starts out the way all Batman comics, like new first story thing should start out, which is two you know, both Bat both Damien and Dick have both lost their father figure. You know, uh Dame Dick mostly raised by Bruce Damien biological father never really got to know him that much before he was like, you know, taken by dark side. Um, and this is where Batman story should always start. It's a child thrust into a cold, unrelenting world and has to find peace through violent violence and vengeance. 
uh, Grant's mega story about Bruce uh, that he was telling that they were telling was through you know Batman, Batman and Robin, Bat- Batman Returner Bruce Wayne, eventually Batman Incorporated was the story about Bruce realizing that he's not alone actually, even though that's how he starts out was like losing his parents. He's not actually alone. And he never was when he first rang the bell for help and he built a family because that's the most powerful thing in the world. It's not the Cape and the cowl and the Batmobile it's solidarity and bringing in an army or a family has always been sort of the point of Batman. It's not really, you know, the pointy ears and punching the Joker. Batman always has a Robin, always has an Alfred, always has people supporting him at counterbalance. It's like Fast and Furious about family. (laughs) Right. Which brings me to Dick and Damien. Uh, The betrayal of of Dick Grayson, who's been around for like 75 years, is not of a man on an eternal quest like Bruce. He's not, he doesn't need to be told that he needs family, he needs help. He is well-adjusted. He's comfortable in chaos. He was born and raised in a circus, and the absurdity of the world is all he's ever really known. That's the key to his portrayal to me. He's not brooding like Bruce Wayne. He kind of slouches and strolls through this comic uh, when he's, you know, wondering if he has, if he's good enough to fill Batman's shoes or when he's cocky because he's just knocked out fucking Mr. Toad. You know, there's, there's a lot, there's a different kind of bounce to his step than you ever see, that you ever should see with Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is like, static heavy solid figure dick is a guy like anybody else he's my favorite kind of guy he is the new x-men cyclops he is <laughs> you know a uh, heat wave from cyber force he is spartan from the wildcats he's just the fucking leader right he's kind of boring but that's because he can't he's capable of handling no that. i i don't think he's boring um, i think he's actually um, yeah, he's like no, he's more interesting than, than Bruce. Like, uh, right? He's more interesting because I think he he he's able to handle all this shit. Whereas Bruce is like, you know, fucking bisexual with mental mm-hmm. health issues. Uh, yeah, and I'm not to say that Bruce is tormented, but he's endlessly pursuing the next level of consciousness. Uh, he's always searching how to be a better Batman, how to have more security and more, like, sort of like like dan he's ego driven (laughs) he's just trying to find out how to gain more control over the world around him whereas dick grayson is not like that he's more like me and gleb no ego at all wait are you saying that i'm batman at this point like that's like the in terms of nerd culture that's the ultimate compliment i don't you're the you're the worst Uh, version of batman this is the better version of batman that's i'm all of batman's worst traits Okay. Right. Dick has the tools to be happy in in mm-hmm. the world around him. Bruce doesn't, and that's why you know Robin has always has to be the counterbalance. Damien has to learn how to love, how to work together, how to feel a part of a whole. He's on the same journey as Bruce is, and you know we see that in moments with him struggling, struggling desperately to find his place and you know prove that he's worthy of taking over his father's place, and he doesn't need. Alfred or Dick or anybody, you know, that's, that's the difference is that when Bruce meets Dick, he does wonder, you know, what, what, you know, uh, 
how can I be better? Where, how can I be a better Batman? And the kid is just there having fun because, you know, he's a kid. And in this, Dick, uh, Damien is just like a little anxious, uh, annoying piece of shit like his dad. Which is, you know, it works because you can't have two of that. Which is why I've always felt that, you know, as much as I love Chris Burnham, as much as I love the Batman Incorporated stuff with Dick and... I mean, well, Bruce and Damien, it never really hit the same because you have two people kind of doing yeah. the same thing. And Batman, there's no there's no contrast. There's no juxtaposition. It just feels like two guys that are just vibing on the same wavelength together. This there, it's not a dynamic duo like 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 Dick and Damien or Bruce and Bruce and mm-hmm, Dick. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, to your, like. Yeah, I completely agree well, with that <clears throat> dynamic in the sense that I, uh, I can see like the the reversal and uh, having having that it feels much more visceral when it's a, a like a generational conversation happening where um, Dick is 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 living up to or trying to live up to Bruce's. Um, uh, weight or to the to the to the impact of Batman and and becoming him, but at the same time he is he is trying to save Damien from the worst of that. It, it's it's the conversation that that uh, Batman would have with Robin when it was Bruce and Dick, but. Uh, where the power yeah, think, dynamics are flipped. I think that's what makes it so interesting. Like the fact that Zeke was Robin for such a long time, and now he has his own Robin. <laughs> like, okay, so if I can get back to it before I was rudely interrupted by Daniel, you just cut me off in the middle of my closing statements. I let you finish. You rambled on for your entirety of your time. I'm in the middle of mine. And you just cut me off to ramble some more. Wow, thanks it's a lot, my Daniel. Ego. Anyways, it's your ego. It is what it is. If I could, if I could finish up my thing, that's why uh, when Morrison says at the end of uh, their great Batman mega story, uh, there's a moment at the end of Batman Incorporated where Dick and Damien are together, but now Dick is Nightwing, and they're having one last moment for you know Damien sacrifices himself to the Leviathan. Um, he tells he tells Dick so far. I'd say you've been my favorite partner. We were the best, Richard, no matter what, which is, you know, calling back to the fact that they had this, you know, they had this great promise of like, they were going to be the two to take Batman and Robin into the 21st you know, century. But of course it was cut short because of corporation, you know, greed, we need Bruce Wayne, blah, blah, blah. But the idea that, that them two work together the best because they were actual sort of a yin and yang to one another, the ego and, you know, the sort of Zen sort of like, you know what we got going on here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Batman, but, but because <laughs> no, you're Damien, <laughs> you're, you're not, you're definitely not Batman in this situation. Um, but anyways, uh, you cut me off again, motherfucker. I was, I was in my fucking zone again. You derailed me. Damien and Dick that? were were together one last time, and they were telling each other that they were the best. Right, right, and right. That yeah. Was... yeah, he he he's saying sorry. his name. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I can't say anything. Yeah, he said his name, which again, Gleb harkens back, as you know, to the point that I mentioned earlier. Because unlike Daniel, I took notes. You know, I prepared something for the end of this. But <laughs> I get that he doesn't feel like he needs to. It's not necessary. Whatever. It's a, I'm not bitter. I'm not angry about it. I'm going with the flow. I am Zen. I am above it all. <sighs> Anyways, yes, it harkens back to the moment where <laughs> when you first see them, he they they playfully talk about how we they don't use their names in public. And uh yeah, where where they go from here, they eventually split up, as we all know, so that Bruce Wayne could come back and sort of have a father-son book with him for a little while. And Batman goes on to have Batman Incorporated which is sort of like Batman trying to do an international leftist version of, uh, (laughs) of uh, solidarity for Batman and all that. But you know, the Batman and Robin having a partner, a comrade that is sort of key to that dynamic. And that's why I thought it was cool that this is the first time it's ever been Batman and Robin, not just Batman, not just detective comics. You know, it's the first book that there was ever the two of their names together, equal parts, uh, and I think that's cool. So, yeah, good first issue. So, so what's your favorite Robin? Oh, my favorite is Jason Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I thought you were going to go. I honestly because, thought you were going to go for Tim Drake. Fuck no. No, Tim Drake. Listen, that's a soft but I, I thought right I thought Red Hood was just too stereotypically Villalobos, a, re- a response. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you thought I was yeah, sick I was when like, I he wouldn't, he wouldn't go for the outlaw bad like, boy. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't. Come on. No, false. I did. <laughs> <laughs> when you first meet Jason Todd, he is stealing Batman's hubcaps. Here's why I like Jason Todd so much. Dick Grayson, like I said, sort of prenaturally good at all of this shit. Was an amazing athlete, was uh, a gifted, you know, detective, like had all the tools to take over the Batman role. Like he's who Batman would scout. He's like who he would get the Jeffrey Epstein plug to be like, <laughs> get me that fucking child on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That makes so much sense for why Batman would want dick grayson uh jason todd i mean well you know damien like he said was bred for this like literally in a test tube and then trained by all the same people that you know trained rachel ghoul talia all those motherfuckers so he's he's set tim drake fucking computer nerd we're not even having a conversation about that being my favorite he's tim tim jason todd Jason Todd was the only one who was not really good at anything, was just a tough little bastard. And I like the underdog. I like the fact that he should have never been Robin. He is not overly athletically gifted, not incredibly smart, just kind of willed himself into that position. And I think that's a very intriguing sort of sidekick for Batman. He's the working class Robin. He is not from a family of, you know, of extremely gifted people that are training their kid to do this. He is the Batman. He he is the fucking flower that grew from the concrete. And I, I think that's cool. That's fair. That's fair. And I also like that when he comes back from the dead, he has that cool, 
like white streak in his hair. Yeah, yeah. And I hate that they never draw that on him anymore. I didn't like in this book how they they had him look like you know Rorschach, like he just looks like a freckly like you know yeah afterwards weirdo. like it, 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 was that Morrison's decision or did like like why why, why did they I make him that way? I don't fully know, but I I do know that the initial like when so there's two different like introductions to Jason Todd. And the first one, he's much more just like classic Dick Grayson ripoff. The second one is when he's like street tough kid who's smoking, stealing hubcaps and all that kind of shit. Like it was kind of retcon to make mm-hmm. him more interesting. And the, when you first meet him, he's got red hair. So I think that was just that was that was Morrison going like, oh, what if Batman had a fail son? Just an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. But. I don't. I don't think Jason Todd is a Philson. I think he's a fucking badass. I think he's the most. You know, like he is the most Joker fight <laughs> of all the Robins. He's the most black pilled or red pilled rather. Well, I guess red pilled is a thing. So not yeah, that. Yeah, Grant Morrison's but, you know. interpretation is is like the least charitable to the Red Hood. He's red. He's red hood pilled for sure. Red hooded stepchild. <laughs> so why do you like? Why do you like Damien? Uh. I just like small, angry, annoying guys. I don't know. <laughs> That's my favorite type of characters. Like he's a punk rock Robin, you know? No, that's not true. Cause my guy Jason Todd is punk rock Robin. Uh, he's got the cool hair, well, bro. Yeah, yeah. Dick Grayson is glam rock what are you Robin. About? <laughs> yeah. Like I, <laughs> Damien, Damien is definitely like screaming. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that's more accurate. <laughs> well, well, that, that's even better. Yeah, I know for <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> uh, I like uh, I like the Grayson, but he was always nightmare for me. So mm. yeah, there's a. I th- I feel like I feel like no writers ever really, for for my taste, ever tackle any of that with any kind of like working class sensibilities. Cause I think there's stuff there. Like, I feel like the idea of like Dick as sort of like a nouveau riche version of Batman. And this was kind of interesting. Like they don't, they don't really explore it that much. Cause they have to get into the, you know, continuity of everything. And it's fun. Like it's a super fun book. It's very colorful. It's very bright. There's cool action shit. Um, but it gets, it gets tossed into the, sludge of being a dc comic so fast that it never gets to be like you know like we said like it it was a promise of a of a more interesting sort of uh a book on like a bigger scale you know what i mean like morrison said in one of those interviews that they could write that for years yeah i i I guess i i got used to seeing so many amazing uh first issues or big concepts like this book that got tossed into that sort of continuity grinder and uh, turned into uh, everything else that was uh, that was out at the time, that it, it kind of creates a, a resentment that I shouldn't have, honestly, because comics, like, people are working on them, people are creating them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just calling back to, like, how uh fair and and even-handed uh Michel Fife was <laughs> during during our, our episode he like he did make me um reevaluate some of my like uh more harsh takes on the the usual uh, comics as usual basically um but 
this is like Batman and Robin was a gem. Yeah, there's a there's a Morrison quote from that from that time that I had like put aside and I forgot to read it during my rundown because I was, you know, weirdly thrown off my my course and I forgot to to weave it in like I planned. But <laughs> there was a there was an interview where they said I also wanted to show a healthier Gotham City too. The whole Son of Sam Rorschach narration. This city is an open sewer where rats feed on the broken dreams and filth of um other rats, where sneering, gnawing urban predators, blah, 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 has become cliched and unconvincing. If Gotham was so bloody and awful, no one would want to live there. And there'd, <laughs> there'd be no one to protect them from criminal, or there'd be no one to protect from criminals. If Gotham really was an open sewer of crime and corruption, every story set there would serve to demonstrate the complete and utter failure of Batman's mission which really isn't the message we want to send, is it? You've got Batman and all his allies, as well as Commissioner Gordon, and the city still exudes a vile miasma of darkness and death? I can't buy that. It's simply not realistic, and it flies in the face of in-story logic. And, you know, I like my comics realistic. So my artists and I have taken a different track, and we want to show the cool, vibrant side of Gotham, the energy and excitement that would draw people to live and visit there. Gotham needs as many faces as Batman. It should be the loudest, se- sexiest, jazziest city on Earth. It should have the best restaurants, best theaters, best art, best criminals, best crime fighters, etc. People put up with the weird crime for the sheer buzz. Yeah, I feel like that's like the take on that is so that's so, so fascinating. And and if yeah, if you're gonna have a conversation about class and all that, I always think it's funny because people constantly have this thing this take on Twitter where it's like, well, if Batman really wanted to help people, he would just donate money to, you know, whatever. And like this, this book is Morrison addressing that idea of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they, they've done it <laughs> like Bruce. Yeah. Bruce has done that. And, but there's still going to be crime because there's still going to be awful people in the world. People no are going to be born looking like so toads. Like, if, if Commissioner Gordon at this point is the commissioner and he has cops on the beat, like you have to assume that it's not a cab because Batman would have fucking killed all the bad cops by now. Yeah, that's that's part of the fantasy of Batman then that like, yeah, <laughs> the good cops uh, are, work and understand uh, Batman's mission and he has made the cops better <laughs> and Gotham better. Yeah. Yeah. That's part, that is, like you said, part of the fantasy. And like, it's, it's funny because, you know, most people that make that take are not actual comic readers. Yeah. So, you know, there's not too much that you have to, you know, really pay mind with. But that there's shit. also that. It is, it is, it is funny to see those kind of critiques already, like, you know, dismantled by Morrison mm-hmm. over 10 yes. years ago. Like, Morrison, Morrison had and that that's quote. Also, again, the, uh, that's also the impetus, like I said, for Batman Incorporated, which is, yeah, okay, well, they, he has saved Gotham. So what do you do from there? You save the world. And to do that, you have to have Batmans in every city because if you can do it to Gotham, you can do it everywhere. And I think that's so cool, um, that idea of Batman Incorporated. Um, but anyways, uh, what were you we saying? Should, we should... Uh read uh some batman incorporated at some point maybe yeah of course maybe when uh 
Gleb has a another project or something like that. But when he draws yeah, that, would, that would be that would be pretty <laughs> sick. But right now, I'm loving his Damien. Yeah. So Gleb, let's talk about Robin for a bit. Let's do this. Well, uh, like I I sorry I I we're we're talking to Gleb. I I promise. But I I just wanted to say like I feel like there's so much of the personality that Gleb puts into Robin here in this issue that we're first witnessing. Yeah, he's a rude kid. <laughs> I feel like Gleb, I feel like Gleb accelerates at being a snot-nosed little punk. Yeah, I I think uh, I think quietly is uh like my like, like I I model my Damien on his Damien and just like with, with my style. A giant ass like, head. Uh, I'm yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm basically drawing my version of his Damien. And but you know, there's other influences, but yeah. Uh, Robin will be uh, a tournament comic, like it's very manga inspired, and I, I think uh, in terms of uh, fun and campiness, it's kind of similar to the first issue of Batman Robin. Uh, I think people love it. Yeah, um, you know, we're pretty lucky that we know you well enough that you sent us that first one, and it looks mm-hmm. amazing, and it's it's well written. Shout out, yeah, to you know Josh Williamson, the homie. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing how that goes. Um, I don't know how much we should talk about it because it's like you know, this should be out. I imagine when that comic comes out. So, I, but I don't want to spoil in case people don't read it or whatever, whatever. But um, when you when you approach it, like uh, I I think it's interesting because it's not set in Gotham, right? No, no, it's on uh, Carta Maltese. It's like it's set on uh, Skull Island with the... King Kong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically the, the adventure island. This tournament, like a Bruce Lee movie, you know, all, all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny because people are asking, uh, asking like, uh, is he Robin again, or what? What is he new moniker or something like? I'm like, guys, the book named Robin. He's Robin, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It 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 doesn't mean he he's attached to Batman uh, automatically. He he can't be Robin without Batman. <laughs> like it's it's possible. I think I think the the yeah. one who really lost out in this whole like uh competition really is Tim Drake. Right now he's just Drake. That's his. Yeah, like he? he has a costume with like a D on it, and he's just <laughs> going by Drake. And I feel bad. It really feels like a dead end character right now. Damn, it's 4 a.m. in Gotham. <laughs> Drizzy, Drizzy Drake. <laughs> checking in. Yo, I lost my spot to a 10-year-old. It's, it's tough. I know when that bat phone blink. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's all he's doing. He's just doing Drake imitations uh, with, like, bat uh, puns. <laughs> yeah, what a pathetic what a pathetic character. I know people some people really like him, but I've always thought he was a nerd. It was very strange. Oh, yeah, kind of. I I I liked I liked the Tim Drake of the animated series when they do like new adventures of Batman and Robin because they completely like skip yeah. over uh Jason Todd. Uh, like no offense, uh, Ramon, but I mean none taken. That's why I like him. But it, it felt it felt nice. It felt like a a, a <laughs> uh a good different character um but who he has been in the comics has just always felt like uh like not like not hot not cold 
not any particular take. He just, like, does more in front of the computer. Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, you know, if I wanted a person behind a computer, I would, like, you know, it'd be one of those kind of books, but it's not what this yeah, is. Yeah, and even Batman. that was, like, do something. Batgirl's Get role, up. or, like, Oracle. Like, that's her thing. Now she's Batgirl again, but... Anyway, Batman continuity, that's weird. I'm more interested in <laughs> Gleb's uh, Robin take. How How is the um, pressure... <laughs> Like, like we're talking, we're talking about sort of like a, a fan expectation, uh, because Damien has a sort of uh, army uh, of people who yeah. who have a, a very particular, like, because we're we're talking about Batman, we're talking about Robins, and the Robin fandom is is I feel like really big. I know, I know this because I did one sort of like one of these crossover drawings from like the Tumblr days. And it was mm-hmm. all of the Robins in a band. And I had them, like I called the band the mm-hmm. the Chris O'Donnell experience. Um, and they were just playing some kind of music. And I, I thought it was like a normal uh, joke. But the Robin fandom went nuts. And it's probably like, <laughs> like maybe my most shared drawing on Tumblr because of how um, passionate uh, the Robin fandom is. I think I I I just want to say I feel like Gleb is the perfect artist for that fandom. I I, I don't know that you're really gonna be capable of disappointing them because of how iconic your style is already for the character like you're drawing him in the way these people probably like imagined uh damien looking their whole lives yeah well well i i I, i'm not trying to like please anyone or draw robin everyone expects me to draw I'm, i'm just vibing man I think that's why it works. <laughs> right. And uh, like, like here's the thing: when I uh, f- f- when I first uh, like uh, like w- when the first uh, when I knew I, I was uh, I was gonna draw Robin, um, I I was trying to came up with uh, with a new suit, and like uh, I just did a random drawing with some. Kind of new suit, but it was uh, very uh, rooted, uh, rooted in the old one, and like in the all Robin costumes. And it, it was nothing interesting, basically. And I posted it just, just like a fun art. Like n- n- nobody knew uh, I was gonna draw Robin, and the <laughs> Damian uh, fans, they like they hated it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, like uh, I'm not term searching, but someone uh, like what what tweeted me uh, with, with this drawing, and I found that thread when people just yeah they they were mad, and uh, th- that's when I decided that I, I'm just gonna uh, design something completely different, like. Uh, different color scheme, different shapes, uh, but I, I, I still wanted, uh, I still wanted to feel like it's Damien's costume. Uh, 
Like I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to draw Robin costume. I wanted to draw Damien costume, and yeah. I, I think that's when it clicked, and that's when uh, the character came alive to me. And uh, now I'm just uh, now they're, they're all very supportive. Like uh, it's crazy because. Uh, uh, there were only two backups came out and the first issue uh, comes out this week and it's, it's already like I already saw people uh, like naming me their favorite Damien artist which is like wild because uh, there's n there's nothing to well yeah yeah there's not too many pages yet I, I think it's because this is the first time in a long time where Damien has been like the f central focus of, of, yeah, of yeah. a book. Like this is this is the book that these uh, Damien fans have always sort of wanted. Like uh, I'm trying to think of uh, aside from quietly classic Damien artists, and it's not that I'm, like I'm thinking of like Jorge Jimenez. Whoa, what are you talking about, Andy Cooper? Andy Cooper, fucking Pat Gleason. Yeah, yeah. I I I I love Pat Gleason's Robin. Uh, like, I love Pat Gleason. Yeah, I, I, th I th yeah, I think he really n nailed the character. Like, probably, like uh, on the same level, it's quite. He's yeah. really good. I I agree. I, I love the way he draws that that little fucking <laughs> bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what I think what I what I think partially like feeds into why they love you so much is like you'll post up panels and they'll treat it like it's fan art you know mm -hmm. so like you 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 know how i feel about posting a work in progress i fucking hate it i don't just even, just should, drinking don't haterade do i don't like doing it myself well uh yeah well i, I just I'm, I'm trying not to post to like uh <laughs> i'm always like gleb uh they're not gonna have anything new to see when the book comes out all they're gonna all that's gonna be added is a letter <laughs> but you know <laughs> but you know uh I, I think what it, what's good about it is it makes people really sort of engage with you. Like, like it's like if you're putting up selfies, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, uh, like it, I, feels, I, I think... it feels more like you're interacting with, with the people on Twitter as if they're like your friend because you're just showing them snippets of the shit as it comes yeah, out. Yeah. And I think that's like an experience that like, you know, I personally don't look for because <laughs> I'm not like a K-pop stan, right? But if I was, I feel like that's, that's the kind of thing where like you know you're 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 engaging with with fans of that character i think in a way that none of the other artists would have done more more importantly than like the way you draw is like the the way you talk to them they seem to like really love that you know and i cuz we've seen we've seen i've seen the way these motherfuckers will go in on people that you don't like to <laughs> and it's it's amazing it's like so funny to me yeah i think it, but it's... it works because they uh, also like my online persona and the, the way right the way i tweet and, and anything and i, I think uh, all these weeps uh, it's like it, it makes people more excited for the book I think it works as as an ad, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people buy this book because of this, because they saw that on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, like it was gonna sell like fucking nuts, anyways, because it looks cool. It's a po very very popular character, right? So like either way, you were gonna be good. But I think having 
a vocal like sort of online fan base is going to be cool because it's going to you know it's going to like the editors are on twitter mm-hmm. they're watching <laughs> mm-hmm. so they're going to see people fucking loving it and buzzing i think, I think that's I mean? way that's like, worth way more though like that uh sort of like uh yeah buzz. exactly yeah but the you know i think your work speaks for itself i'm not trying to i'm not trying to say like Oh, it's it's a good gimmick, but I it is a good gimmick though. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why that's why you know when you were getting abrasive with people, I kind of was just like, hey man, like not not trying to tell you how to live your life or anything, but you don't need to do all that. <laughs> like you're you're gonna be good if you don't do that. And I think you know, like I think the way you've been handling like just shit in general has been like a good shift you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it's like you know it's something that i've i've been there also (laughs) like i've also had to like change up the way i talk to people and the way i interact is you know it's not even about like being nice to other creators or whatever it's about like just you know dealing with people in general like twitter is not important yeah except for that kind of shit you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and I think the fact that you know that is why you can make a a tweet that's like a a funny, you know, meme or whatever and kind of have like a hands-off approach to it. It's when you it's when any of us go overboard on anything where it's like this doesn't this isn't going to fundamentally affect anything. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I think that that's exactly why it works because people know I'm I'm not serious most of the time man like uh, i'm just saying meaningless shit and uh, like it's it's twitter nobody cares and like i'm trying not not to be like one of those uh, artists who just uh doing like the corporate talk twitter like it's so weird i think yeah like you don't have to be a an arm of the Mm -hmm. dc twitter uh you know (laughs) <laughs> like the tw- the marketing plan or whatever like you know i was never that either when i was doing stuff for them or for marvel or for fucking anybody but like you just like getting people knowing who you are as a person i think is important on twitter and it's how do you how like do you want to be known as a guy who just like talk shit just to do it or do you want to like have a reason to do it when so that when you speak out against something It'll matter more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that you're not on your. You know, I don't. I don't want to get. I don't want to get. <laughs> so so that Gleb isn't on his like fifth uh, account ban. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, no. <laughs> or just like you know, I you know, like we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. Like I don't want to get too deep into it, but like the shit with, like the shit with Burn was funny because you know who gives a fuck about him, right? And you were a hundred percent right. The shit with the Talking Heads is fun. Is funny. I get where you're coming from. But like the the extreme sort of like hostility that was going around, it was just like, man, is this what is this a hill that you want to die on? <laughs> That's the conversation that I had with you. Was like, dude, I've been there. Like I've been arguing with people for fucking no reason, and I've often realized, like in the middle of it, like is this the hill that I want to die on? Fuck no. You know what I mean? I'd rather be very successful and then tell them to fuck off after <laughs> after the fact. Yeah, like, well, t- t- 
Twitter is weird like that. Like you, you post something as a joke and then it becomes serious because people are arguing with you and you're like, hell no, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And like, I, I didn't even care about burn before that. And now <laughs> it's like my, my character trait. I'm a burn hater. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I get it. <laughs> I understand how that shit goes. I don't really care about Ed Pisquare, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just did it because I thought it was funny. I I feel like Gleb is special in the sense that usually you get uh, or companies get lucky if they have like kind of a mediocre artist, but they have that following. And. Yeah. Gleb is somehow incredibly talented and also has that following. It's it's a and he's charming and funny and like. Well, he's funny. I wouldn't. I I I'd say he's charming. <laughs> I like he he tweets with a coolness that is is impossible to uh, emulate, and and it's a I I. I as as opposed to Ramon's thinking, I think you should be uh, starting more fights on Twitter. Honestly, I I just I'm <laughs> joking, but um, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a fascinating phenomena to see you riding that wave, and after that, like it's it's what you were talking about before about like the responsibility of having uh, a a group of people who are like down to fight with anybody who argues with you <laughs> really? um like i i think you have i think you have embraced that responsibility uh really well yeah i mean i like you know we're joking about it i mean you do have the control of these of these damien stands listen and if any of you hear this we're, I love we're fans I love of gleb we're fans of damien <laughs> we love k-pop but I can see how it would be intoxicating to have people that are just telling you you're never wrong. That's why, like, when the EVS shit and all that, like, comics gate shit happens, like, all these dudes have, like, a legion of fucking weird, sycophantic, fucking idiot comics gate people that just agree with them about everything. And it's like, yeah, no wonder they think they can, like, say all this crazy anti-Asian hate speech. Like, because... They're, they just keep they keep existing in this echo chamber where they don't have any kind of pushback, you know? Hmm. Like, I've had friends tell me, like, Ramon, chill the fuck out. You're going too far on, like, this thing or, you know, like, you know, be better about this. And, you know, like, taking taking feedback from people is, is like, part of just being a person. Well, and I think, like, a guy like EVS or, or whoever, like, any one of those fucking dudes, they don't they don't do that. <laughs> you know yeah. like they're so convinced that they're right and they're so convinced that they're just like they know better than everybody that they don't they don't listen when people try to like a friend or whoever says hey chill out well i i don't think that's uh the same case because uh, damien stands while being very passionate about this character and uh, being in love with my art they're, they're still like I, I, i'm not uh I'm not perfect for them. I, I, I'm, I'm a good artist who's, who's drawing their favorite character, but they can still like say if I did something wrong. Well, no. If I were you, I'd tell them I don't accept any criticism from <laughs> you people. 
This is why you're not getting a, a Stan army, Ramon. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm never getting a Stan army. It's, it's impossible. But, but I, I understand what you mean, Gleb, that, um, like, there's at, at the end of the day, you think that they're still there for Damien and not necessarily to stroke your ego. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, like, uh, uh, I kind of want to build an audience uh, which I could carry on my uh, creator-own projects, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna draw Damien uh, forever. Yeah, forever, yeah, right, yeah, I want to draw my own shit, and, like, I expect people who like my work on Damien to follow me there. I mean that I would be careful about thinking. <laughs> I think you're gonna get a large chunk, but I'm just saying, like I would, I would, I would maybe guess of the percentages, like I don't know, fifteen. No, yeah, I, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't. You, expect... you get what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, it's. I think it's the difference, though. Like what I'm saying is, I think you're smart to want to build an audience and not create just, like mm-hmm. a parasocial relationship, yeah. where you know people just feel like, oh, if I give this person my money then i'm their friend or you know whatever mm-hmm. but um if you do want to give us money and be your friend we are accepting friendship in the form of patreon.com slash that's where you could you know subscribe to the patreon if you want a parasocial relationship with ramon and me we'll be your best friends <laughs> we'll yeah no listen the 69ers are much different than the, than the damien stands yeah. we're all free thinkers in yeah. my uh, cult it's one hundred percent genuine, and your jokes are funnier <laughs> than than other people's. Absolutely, your your jokes are funnier than other people's for sure. Like, <laughs> join the Discord. You know how active I am on there. I'll come in there and we'll joke it up. But anyways, <laughs> no, like for real though, Glove. Like I I think this is an interesting conversation that people don't often talk about. Like on in any kind of like podcast that I've ever heard about comics of just like you know. What, do you, what happens when you get a fan base that can be a, not rabid, you know? Like you said, it's not like they're fucking comic skaters. I didn't mean to imply that. But they're very excited. And I think that some people can develop the cult of personality and try to make that their their thing, you know? Yeah. And But I mean, Gleb is big Gleb. Yeah. Well, g- That's the difference. Yeah, well, I, I, it's weird. I, I'm, I'm trying not to... Um... I'm t- I- I'm trying for this n- not to affect my work, you know. Like, uh, I it's a cool thing to have a like this following, but it doesn't really affect my work on uh, on Robin, if you know. Like, right, right, right. Uh, when I'm when I'm drawing, coming, I work on it. I I I just simply don't don't think about those things. I I I don't read reviews or something. I, I don't know. I, 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 You're not going to read reviews? For the first one, probably uh, I will. But uh, starting from the second one, I, I, I probably. That's. <laughs> yeah, I've, my, I've always, I've always read reviews. I always feel like it's. I'm, I'm interested in in what people are are saying about the shit. But it was funny because when I first, my first review, like my first book came out, and I'm excited. I, I like search on Twitter and of course nobody's talking about it because it was like a fill-in thing you know uh, but I'm like I want to know are people like digging it or not you know so I remember for the the first thing that I took over that had like a following like even semi-similar to what you're talking about with like Robin was I did Young Justice 
or not Young Justice, Young Avengers after Jamie McKelvey, but not like real Young Avengers. It was like three of them and it was uh, backups in Original Sins. It was like a, you know, it was a very niche <laughs> comic thing. And I, I, I was very excited because I'm like, oh, this is like a bigger deal. So I go on my, I go on Twitter and I search my name and I search uh, Young Avengers and I see them, uh, I see somebody say in French something about me and I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're saying. So I like, you know, hit translate and it said, uh, Ramon Villalobos' art on this book is fucking revolting. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, like literally word for word. That's what the Google translate said. It just like burned into my memory. I was like, well... <laughs> This is why I shouldn't, I guess, read reviews. But, you know, I kept doing it anyways because that's back when I had an ego, of course. But now, as soon as your your new books are going to come out, you're, no no, re- no reviews, no nothing. That's for the ego. No, I'll look at reviews. That's not about, that's not, because it's not about feeding the ego anymore. It's about feeling in touch with the universe. Ah. You know? What are, what is the vibration of my book? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, how can I be a part of it? Mm-hmm. That's the difference. You just want to like resonate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just want to catch the vibe. That's the thing is I don't like, you know, me and Gleb have talked about vibes in this conversation. I feel like I haven't heard you mention a vibe once. I'm kind of wondering if you even have a vibe. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm all about, I'm all about fame and Jesus. out for myself. I'm trying wow. to make it big. This is just a, a, a stepping stone on the way to really uh, show everybody how how important and, and big I am. Right, right. Yeah. Right, right. I, I also think one of the reasons why I stopped reading reviews is uh, it's too many times me reading a review and there's no, like, probably... No, no mention of me or or like, <laughs> control like, oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah. Glad did an art. It's fine. I gotta be honest. With you most of the reviews I read of my work is just control F or Mon Vila. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. I wanted. I do want to know what they're saying about me very specifically. The writing, the story. Who gives a fuck? You're you're just trying to find that last paragraph. Exactly. The problem is most comic book reviews. It's like a word for word breakdown of what happens. <laughs> And then it's like, and the art was nice. It was well served or whatever. It's like, oh, that's not what I want. I want you to tell me why I'm a genius. And listen, some people have. I can't lie. Uh, I, I just have. remembered sometimes uh, the, oppo- the opposite thing happens. And like I read some reviews of uh, some issues of Angel I did. And they were praising my art. And like they, uh, they did a review for basically one page and it was an analysis of this and they they almost uh made me believe that i'm a genius and like no i didn't plan all those things i have no time for that (laughs) like and they were saying like uh, i'm a genius storyteller and what what this means what that means and like no like it's not like See, that. that's what my ego craves <laughs> i'm desperate for that for that validation but gleb is in, fully enlightened he Plus, doesn't want to read but, but, any reviews just robin one just let me ask you a question just because i've done it before for sure if uh if a review if you get a review and it's positive for your art but negative for the writing do you share it uh mm. probably not 
I do for sure. I just I just quote the thing. I'm like, oh, thanks very much. It's a very nice thing you said about me. I've done it before, where like somebody had sent, I did a review, and it was very negative. I've also shared negative reviews of like, you know, people hate it when they tag you in like a negative review on Twitter. You like see it, and it's just like, oh, I didn't like this book at you. <laughs> I've also shared those because I think that shit's hilarious. Yeah, I think that's, that's like the funniest thing you can do. <laughs> People are sensitive, Gleb. Yeah, negative reviews are are they're gonna happen. I've never taken one like personally. I've never like read a review, a review of somebody who didn't like my art and and felt a need to um, antagonize them or attack them in any way. I don't know how like people are like self searching on Twitter and trying to defend their shit that's pointless well yeah. uh, just also also the thing is like i, I i'm my own worst critic and i i know exactly where my mistakes are and uh i don't really need those bad reviews uh, they're not very useful for me but uh like uh, i'm not uh not looking at my own old comics like uh, but by all i mean uh the ones I did like a couple months ago, because I I just I, I just hate looking at my uh, old art, like <laughs> not old, but you know I, I I'm just trying to do new things constantly, and uh, I kind of love and hate my art at the same time. I I love my I, I love stuff I, I love stuff I'm doing at the moment, and I hate stuff I did already. Yeah, I but like you said, by the time. By the time a book comes out, I know every single yeah. part of every panel that I don't mm-hmm. like. And every time I see it in print, that's all I can focus on is whatever thing that I don't like, whatever background I fucking, you know, cheaped out on and didn't do a great job. That's what I'm hyper focused on. Any like any good thing that I did doesn't, you know, I, I gloss over that so, so hard. And then like conversely, like when uh when I have waited for a long time and I look back at art, I then I'm like, oh wait, I did pretty good on this. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but in the moment, like after it's done, all I can see is what I hate. Yeah, yeah, same. So you know, I think that's I think that's fairly healthy. I think that's a pretty normal <laughs> artist thing to do, right? Like hate everything new. The old stuff I'm like, oh hey. I was I was doing something good here. But Everything in between is like nah, no good. Yeah, but you know it's a good thing because it it, it means you're growing up, like, right? You're leveling up, and uh, like when uh, when I when I will look at my like years old art and think, well, it, it, it's still like uh, uh, it's really good. Like that, that will be. That would be concerning because that means I, I stopped developing. Yeah. Well, we're at two two hours fifty minutes. I guess we should uh, start wrapping up. Gleb, where can people find you? Uh, they they can find me mostly on Twitter at webmelnikov eight because there's probably seven other guys at least and. Uh, like, where where can they find you? Where where can they find you on Instagram? Because I love that username. 
it's <laughs> it's Armageddon, like in in the old meme when like Armageddon. Yeah, you picked you picked the most like dated uh, uh, reference that was only good for maybe like two months, yeah. one month, a week. You're like I'm making an entire Instagram <laughs> off this. Yeah, well, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I'm not really posting on Instagram at the moment. I'm mostly on Twitter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. me neither. Like honestly. like like everybody good. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Uh, where can they find our good friend Artyom Traganov, who is a victim of the posting wars, has been destroyed by a Puerto Rican, uh, <laughs> well, a Puerto Rican artist uh, for her th- for her very leftist thoughts about NFTs. He was very vicious and cruel. They certainly cannot yeah. find him on Twitter. He- yeah, like he's not the, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. There, did you no... when you became a Russian oligarch? Did you banish him to uh to Siberia? Is that what he was there? <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You, you you can find him on in- Instagram, but I, I don't. <laughs> uh, like th- that's. Sorry, I don't mean to associate you with the person that talks. True, toxic, true. But, you yeah. know, we love we love Artyom. We just want him to do better. No, no, we're uh, not assuming that you speak for him. No, I I actually want him to do the same. (laughs) (laughs) I want him to return and start posting robs again. Yeah, I can't. I really can't imagine art as like a a normal company artist just trying to promote his books. Uh, It's it. He's he is incredibly passionate. And I like it feels like he just can't even control the things he tweets. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's just like the pure visceral reaction. <laughs> like it's like a scream in his soul. Yeah, they they blocked the true one. But I I all all my love and respect in the in the gulag that he's currently <laughs> uh, sitting in. All right, Daniel, where can they follow you? Uh, you can find me uh, the usual places right here uh, at the at the Max Flintayo podcast and on Twitter, where you probably already know uh, where I am. At Flintayo. Uh, yeah, and you could uh, mm-hmm. follow me at Villalobos and, you know, check me out on uh, Patreon.com slash Max Flintayo. You know, join our Discord server. Leave us an iTunes review. That would be very helpful. I hear. I don't really know. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. And take it away, Philbert. I'll do it for a large amount. We'll just remember to pay in cash. What's the number of the body count you want? Well, don't be too afraid to ask. It's the only way to get what you need to feed your new. Every morning
pilgrim.